chit chat. Don't listen to these casual fans. They offend me. Josh says fuck too much. I'm gonna get my lawyers to sue you if you talk about my show. Whoa! Sorry about all that garbage. Looks like someone needed to take out the trash. Our podcast is one year old and it's time to rock! entire year since we've started this podcast. I don't know why I just sounded like a Swedish person who English is their second language. I was like, holy shit, it's been one year <laughs> since our podcast. Hard to scurn. Five zero fifty episodes coinciding with the one year anniversary of the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, a.k.a. previously known as Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries. <gasps> I... I, I, I'm here with the ever-ready, ever-present, omnipresent, omnipotent Mike Brown, my co-host, the, the, the guy who's this whole thing was his idea, and then I just went to work building his castle while he sat in his throne, being fed grapes and being waved <laughs> with pond fronds. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Uh, I passed my knowledge test. I got a 93 on it, and then I just today I waited for about an hour and a half at the DOL and what got my permit. What the hell are you talking about with any of that? Oh, oh, your driver's license. Yeah, or your permit. Did yeah, you I got, got my permit. Oh, I got, you got my driver's it. permit. Yeah. Hey, he finally <laughs> got it, everybody. They said it couldn't be done, but it's been done. Well, congratulations, man. That's great. Now Thank you, you. So what the the permit... God, it's been so long. So the permit means that you can drive with as long as it, your guardian or parent is in the car. Yeah, cars. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you got to do that for a year, right? I guess so. I, what says you have it for a year, you can use it. It's good for a year. Really what you need to do is pass your driving test. So... I'm going to go to driving school, take some behind-the-wheel lessons, see what happens with that. But I really don't have anything else to add. In fact, we're going to have a, we're going to have a pretty jam-packed, spectacular uh, anniversary episode planned for you guys and gals. So Now, um, Mike, when we first got started, did, did you think that this podcast would last a year? How long did you think this was going to last? First off, I didn't even think it was going to be as big as it has gotten um, at all because I'd really never done a podcast before and usually it's kind of hard for a podcast that's just starting out to get even as many listeners as we have. We, we're not like unbelievably successful or anything. No, not by any means. But for a podcast that's just starting out, we're in pretty damn good shape in my opinion. 
Because I've seen some podcasts and their numbers that have been around for longer than we have, and they don't get as many views as we do for each episode. Yeah, that's definitely that was definitely the big shock for me too. Like I, I said this before on on the show, but it bears repeating. I remember the first episode, first few episodes we did that, I, or no, it was the first episode, and I uploaded it to SoundCloud, and. I turned it into an RSS feed, which basically means that it gets sent out to all the other platforms that host podcasts like Podbean and Stitcher and iTunes and all that. And I just checked it a week later and it had like 150 plays or 200 plays. And then I checked it a few days after that and it had like 300 plays. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I've never released anything that's gotten plays like that that quickly. As crazy as that sounds. So I, I, I don't know. Like, I I've always had fun doing this with you, Mike. Uh, honestly, like I, I've always I'm enjoyed, glad. Yeah, I've I've always enjoyed doing it. So it was never really a question of like, man, this is a chore. I want to quit doing this. You know. Yeah, uh, I've always had fun doing it too. It, it's it's something I actually look forward to every week now because it, it's something different. You know, I I it's not necessarily movie related. I you know I'm always kind of focused on that kind of thing. So it's nice to have a, you know, a change of pace. <coughs> and we and still haven't been able to afford a sneeze button, but that's all right. Yeah, it is what it is. Damn allergies. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know what you mean. And it's been raining over here. And I've been checking the weather over where you live just out of curiosity. I, I guess that sounds kind of creepy, too, that I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been checking the weather oh, I've been checking over in weather. Vancouver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How you like that? I have greasy fingernails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I see over there, it's been like clear, sunny days. Yeah. But over here, dude, it has been like we've switched weathers because it's been raining every single day over here in Jacksonville, Florida. So, so it's been a cruel, cruel summer. Leaving me here on my own. It's a cruel, cruel. Um, so yeah. That's that's uh, we we want to keep the chit chat uh, to a minimum here because we have so much stuff. From we the have fans. we have a lot of stuff from the fans and to we still uh, talk some, about. Jam some stories in there. And, exactly. Uh, there's even Lord willing, uh, so I'm saying this now. It could always be edited out. There'll even be a a meet your moderator segment yeah. later on with uh, the the uh, I don't know what description to say the the person known as Thomas Hatfield, the moderator for the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries group. The man, the myth, the, the moderator. <laughs> the moderator. There you go. Legend's a little a little too far, a little too soon <laughs> to be legendary, Thomas. you got to work a little harder to achieve that status. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it not only is, uh, is like, he, he's busted his ass in the group doing, like, you know, a bunch of the street views and the guest segments and stuff, which is super cool, but... Uh, you know, he's a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, and he's an, an, an average Joe like me and Mike. So it's like, we figure, hey, get another average Joe in here talking about Unsolved Mysteries. Might be cool. I don't know. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll just go straight on into um, the some of the meat and potatoes here, our normal segments that we talk about. Yep. I, I think for the 50th, we were like, you know... Let's let's get in the the two segments that we're always making mention of, and we've made mention of these two segments I think more than any other segment uh, on the podcast. But we never covered them for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. It w- I think I think we were supposed to do Marcos's Buddha one 
time, but something happened, and then we decided to do something else, I guess. Or you wanted to save it because it was one that you really liked and you didn't want to use up one of the classic ones so early. And actually, that turned out for the best. Yeah, because now I can talk about it now. So, yeah, the first one we're going to be talking about is probably not our first treasure segment, but it's the best treasure segment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the story here is is straight out it's, of a movie plot. Yeah, know? it's a movie plot. It's It's very cinematic. Yeah, and I mean... This was on the um, Ultimate Collection box set. However, this bonus was my, disc. This was the the bonus disc. Now, now is that one that they saw on eBay by chance? I imagine that one's pretty hard to get. Now, come now by. this one you can get with the Best of Unsolved Mysteries collection. You ah. can get uh, the bonus disc with that, and I got my hands on it via other me- via other means, mm. <laughs> other other ways, and. Uh, if and people, it's a straight up DVD rip, so it's the full quality. Yeah. And did you, that one? Did the bonus disc have a menu? Because the one that I have has no menu on it. It's just. Yeah, it had a menu. It had a menu. Okay, well, my mine doesn't have a menu at all. Or maybe it didn't. I don't know. I haven't popped it in <laughs> for so long. I don't, I don't There's remember. actually some nice segments on there. There's a ghost segment on there I want to talk about sometime. Uh, this has some really strange things, like a printer printing by itself and stuff like that. Yeah, they had Plumber's Booty, the Nazi War Treasures. I mean, they had some additional ghost ones that they threw on there. It was definitely a great a bonus disc. Um, I was a pr- very appreciative of it. Um, and, and this here segment was the shining beacon of that. It's on season 5 of Amazon on Amazon Prime. That, oh, look at that. That finally came out. The wait is over. Yeah, that what did what, didn't that take them like double the time it yeah. took them to do the other ones? Took them like 2 months yeah. instead of 1 month. That's kind of yeah. weird. So, let's dive right into this. This is a segment I've seen multiple times and uh I just I still can't get over the fact that even in semi-modern times, even though this was, you know, many years ago, um, that you can still have these dictators, essentially, who are, you know, elected, but they basically are a dictator, um, who can still just go in and do whatever they want, you know. Uh, and what can- is supposed to be a democracy. Yeah. Because this wasn't a communist... Uh- Group, you know, it wasn't like a communist. I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, group is not the right word. It, 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 it wasn't. They weren't communists. Yeah, no. The Phil- this it wasn't this a t- communist regime. This took place in the Philippines, okay? And the Philippines is not a, uh, you know, it's not the red Philippines. It's just the Philippines. It's not like red yeah. China. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's supposed to be uh, some kind of a democracy. Some. I'm pretty sure if anyway. Trump could get away with having this kind of power. In the U.S., he'd do it. Look at Mike going political out of nowhere. Just, just nowhere. Mike's gone. Mike's gone rogue. Mike is the John <laughs> McCain of this podcast right now. He's a maverick. <laughs> I remember that uh, John McCain always used to say that during his election back in like 2008. He's like, "I'm a maverick. I'm a Washington I th- outsider." I, I think he's. I think he's seen Top Gun too many times, and he thinks he's Tom Cruise. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it, with how old he is and see now, I, he probably literally does think he is 
Tom Cruise. You know, he thinks he is uh, uh, the Iceman. I don't no, know. No, he thinks, he thinks he's Maverick because he's dangerous. So anyway, getting into a segment here. From 1965 to 1986, Ferdinand Marcos ruled the Philippines. First as an elected leader, then as a dictator. By the time Marcos was deposed, his personal wealth was estimated at $10 billion, with a B, dollars. One million dollars. Uh, <laughs> awesome powers. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's getting in the movie. But don't you mean uh, uh, one billion? One one uh, uh, er, Doctor er, Evil. One one million dollars isn't that much. Oh yes, uh, one <laughs> billion dollars. <laughs> so anyway, this, this, uh, this, this dude's wealth was ten billion dollars. So, few dared to challenge Marcos publicly. But on May 5th, 1971, a man named Roger Rojas defied Marcos and went public with a daring accusation. He accused the dictator's soldiers of stealing a rare, solid gold Buddha worth millions. Strap yourself in, folks. This is just the beginning. In 1970, Roger Rojas and his family lived 200 miles north of Manila on the Philippine island of Luzon. On weekends, Roger spent his time treasure hunting with a large group of Filipinos. One of Roger's fellow treasure hunters was Albert Fuchigami. Albert had been shown a treasure map by his father, who was an officer in the Japanese army during World War II. The map pinpointed the location of a secret tunnel system... Tunnels are a theme on this podcast episode, by the way. It's a secret tunnel system where the Japanese had left behind a fortune in gold bars. Roger was confident his friend was telling the truth. Quoting Roger here, We were friends for a long time before he told me that he knew of a hidden treasure. He revealed to me what he knew about the tunnels. I had very high hopes because Fuchigami was the son of a Japanese soldier. End quote. Roger Rojas and Albert hired a crew to excavate the site. In the first few minutes of digging, they found a layer of Japanese shrapnel. A few weeks later, the crew broke through the, into the tunnels, which the Japanese had apparently dynamited shut. The tunnel system was elaborate, complete with railroad tracks. They found that one explosion had blocked all access to the main underground passageway. Undaunted, they dug around it. Roger Rojas was the first to enter. Now, just starting off there, I mean, you got you got all kinds of aspects that never happen in your normal everyday life. No, I mean, you're this is like something you'd see in the Goonies. Yeah, or yeah, some or some kind of like Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana Jones type. Yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm very careful with my movie references because I know very little. So when I do throw one out there, I try <laughs> to be sure of it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you th- just think about that. If this something like this was kind of in your own backyard, you know, you had like this mountainous area, and you could go exploring, and I mean, j- just the idea of, you know, these soldiers occupying your country, which we as Americans have never known that, but if that were the case, you know, and then the soldiers are gone, and you find you know, a, a entrance to a cave and it's dynamited shut, you know, it's like, what kind of, uh, I mean, I guess comparably they probably did that in the, uh, old prospecting days of the, uh, 1800s in the United States. I'm sure the entrances to certain mine shafts and all were dynamited shut to keep people out. But I mean, not only do they go in there, but they, they rent, you know, all this excavation equipment, which was expensive, 
you know, and, and they're going in there and they find another passage that's dynamite shut and they dig around it. Like that is like some kind of determination right there. I mean, you got to be so cocksure that there's going to be gold in there for for you to do all that. Because I would have turned around on, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of boulders and shit in the way. Yeah, let's go home. You know, that's- well, that's like the whole thing with the Goonies, you know, where they're like, they there's a giant rock there. It's there for a reason. <laughs> you know, they put the giant rock over the entrance that they thought were, was going to lead them to the treasure. And they move the rock out of the way and all these bats fly out. Yeah. So, uh, according to Rojas, he says, To my surprise, I found several Japanese skeletons. There must have been more than ten. That means that the Japanese were trying to get the hell out of Dodge, and they dynamited shut one of the uh, exits, leaving some of their companions behind to die. Yeah. So, Roger had stumbled upon a forgotten tomb. It was there that he made a shocking discovery. Sitting in the cavity was a large gold statue of Buddha. Roger and Albert were stunned. While their crew attempted to move the 2,000-pound Buddha, the two explorers ventured further inside the tunnel. Can you imagine moving that? Dude, that's the, that's the weight of, like, a Toyota Camry, for fuck's yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, how, how does that... I'm looking at these two guys, and I'm like, how the hell did these two guys move this 2,000-pound Buddha? Well, they had a crew with them, but still, I mean, the the ropes and pulleys and all the all the yeah. various systems you'd have to have. Oh in yeah, place. he hired a crew. Yeah, but it yeah. still sounds like Arduous. something that is just yeah, or something on a Mission Impossible. So as the two explorers um, ventured further inside, just as the map had predicted, there were boxes and boxes of solid gold bars. Rojas and Fuchigami decided to dynamite the tunnel to hide the treasure. They planned to sell the Buddha to buy trucks and equipment so they could come back and get the gold out of the tunnel. I wish I found some hidden uh, tunnel somewhere with gold and and uh, golden Buddha and all this other stuff. That would be awesome. That would solve yeah, my, a lot of my problems. Who the hell wouldn't <laughs> wish that? Who the hell? I know wish exactly. That? Well, not in this situation, though. Yeah, because... this was this was a situation. This turn, this yeah. quickly turned into a situation. If it was just like, if I didn't have to deal with the shit that he dealt with, then okay, yeah. But if I ha- find it and then I have to deal with this, then no, then I don't want to find it. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> so Roger took the Buddha home. A potential buyer confirmed that the Buddha was solid gold. After the buyer left, Roger and his brother decided to take a closer look at the Buddha. Roger had noticed that the buyer had paid particular attention to the Buddha's neck. Quoting Roger, he said, My brother and I had a suspicion that there was an opening inside the Buddha. We got a piece of wood and we hit the Buddha several times with this piece of wood. According to Roger, there were handfuls of diamonds inside the Buddha. Some were rough cut and some were fine. Roger hid the diamonds in a closet. Later that night, Roger's brother took pictures of Roger with the Buddha. Roger thought that the pictures might protect him, but he was wrong. News of his discovery had already spread all the way to the president's palace in Manila. Now, talk about just unbridled wealth. I mean, not only do you have a 2,000-pound solid gold Buddha, which just, I mean... 
what let, let me let me just look this up right now like what is a pound of gold worth one pound of gold value let me see what we got here um, okay so we got about one thousand two hundred ninety four dollars for one pound of gold just one pound one pound of gold so let's just real wow quick, one two nine four times two thousand all right wow okay all right <laughs> so that equates to about two million five hundred and nine ninety thousand dollars damn yeah two million and that Shit. was that was back in the what 1970s so adjusting for inflation geez we're looking at almost about five million dollars at this point. yeah and that's not counting the gold bars that are back there yeah, in the and, tunnel, and the and the and the the price, and how much the diamonds are worth. Right, and that yeah, and that was like my next point. On top of that, you got freaking diamonds inside the day. If 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 the solid Buddha wasn't enough, so anyway, this is all more money than either Josh or I will ever see. In we'll our lives. ever see combined. We will never. We will never see that much money. I mean, you can take me and Mike's future careers, add them up, and it'll equate to to one tenth of all this total wealth. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, although the Philippines was a democracy, Ferdinand Marcos, along with his wife Imelda, ruled like a king with an iron hand and brute force. Two months after Roger brought the Buddha home, soldiers invaded his house. The red ribbons on their rifles indicated that they were members of President Marcos' elite palace guard. Then out of nowhere, the potential direct lender appeared. Roger had been double-crossed. Yeah, the guy who came over to his house and looked at the Buddha and was going to give her him, was going to give her, he was going to give him uh, a down payment on the Buddha. It was like 160 grand. So according to Roger... This guy was in line with the president. Yeah. Yep. Which, you know, not surprising. When you're dealing with that much money, you know, and and you're a nobody like Roger Rojas, yeah. where it's it's a- nothing a- to just yeah. kill him. And I also thought it was kind of curious to me that the whole thing that determines and differentiates uh, the palace guard from other soldiers is just a red ribbon. Like... It just, I just thought it was an interesting sort of touch. Yeah. You don't see that kind of thing with groups of soldiers in the U.S. You don't see, like, the Navy SEALs or something have... Their, the thing that really makes them stand out is, like, a black ribbon on their gun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's primitive, yet it's kind of neat in a way, because it almost reminds me of, like, you know, the... Just the the primitive days of people of like wearing face paint to distinguish mm-hmm. the various tribes and all that. And it's kind of a, almost harkens back to something like that. That's what I think is kind of neat about it. Um, so Roger said they took everything, even the piggy banks of my children, whatever my wife inherited, all her jewelry, all the diamonds in the closet. They took all of it. If we had fought back, they would have just killed us. 
And in this scene, I mean, the whole this whole segment is so theatrical. You feel well, like I mean, even yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is a very well put together, edited and directed sequence. Uh, the entire segment is like you like you were saying. I mean, even the stuff the stuff with the tunnel and all of that is really well done. And this scene too. Um, it is crazy, like, even the piggy banks, like, what is the point of that? I guess they're trying to see if there's diamonds in there. Oh, no, they're just being dicks. They're just being dicks, and they're just taking everything, you know? I mean, you, you know, when when you're, when your citizens of your country are no more than peasants to be exploited, mm-hmm. then you, why not, you know? And, and, if, and if he speaks up about it, he'll either be killed or he'll be beaten and tortured until he gives a false story, which eventually happens by getting to that. Um, so the next day, Roger and, and his brothers reported the incident to the local police. Then he went to visit Judge Pio Marcos, a family friend. Roger said, I told him, Judge, why did you let them confiscate my treasure? We're friends. He said, Roger, there is nothing that I can do. I said, why? He said, because the prince asked for it. I said, who's the prince? And he said, the prince... President Marcos. According to Roger, the judge warned him that Marcos had put a price on his head. Roger and his family fled to an isolated jungle village to hide. While Roger remained secluded, Filipino reporters had already gotten a hold of the story. Marcos allowed the press to view the Buddha, but his political opponents felt that Marcos had substituted a fake. They wanted to embarrass Marcos, so they tracked down Roger and convinced him to return to Manila to identify the Buddha. Marcos was outraged. Once again, Roger went into hiding. But according to Roger, two weeks later, he was tracked down by the palace guard. Three men approached me and pointed their guns at me. They knew me. They told me, Roger, come with us in the car. We will bring you to Manila. I could not escape. I couldn't escape. I knew they were soldiers. They had guns. They called the palace and they were speaking English. I knew that it was Marcos they were talking to because they addressed him as Mr. President. Marcos must have asked them, are you sure it is Roger Rojas you captured? And they said, yes, we're sure. The soldiers locked Roger in a hotel and tortured him until he signed a paper stating that he was paid off to lie about the Buddha. The soldiers also wanted Roger to tell them where the gold was hidden. He was tortured daily for several weeks, but Roger had no intentions on telling the soldiers anything. He said, I made a promise to Mr. Fuchigami. I told him, even if they kill me, I will not tell them where the tunnel is. Eventually, Roger was allowed to see his family. My wife was crying. She was surprised, and she said, what is happening to you? You know they might kill you. And I said, just pray. And then the soldiers took me again. (laughs) It's just like, this is just, it it just goes from bad to worse. I I think that... I don't know if there's like I don't know if it was like the because you know, I should mention by the way um, the whole reason I'm kind of talking the way I am when I'm quoting Roger is I am I am trying to match the same way that because he he doesn't speak English so they had a translator overdub yeah. overdub uh-huh. his um, Tagalog and um, I, I'm I'm imitating how the translator said like read the lines. Um, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. It was, it was like just, just he did. slightly, just slightly corny sometimes, but I just thought it was funny. Um, and, and to me, that's the funniest conversation that you could have with your wife. Like, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just like so to the point. You know, there's no there's no embellishments here, and 
that might be lost lost in translation but it's like you see yeah. your wife and she just goes what is happening to you you know they might kill you and then all you have to say is just pray and then the soldiers it's just like <laughs> god that's just i don't know that's just such a bizarre co- english conversation to me i don't yeah know. but it, it also just it's it's horrifying yeah it's it's, it's a like, very scary thing I don't know. Like, I figured there'd be. It's, a l- it sounds like he didn't have that much time to see his family. It was like one of those they just drag him over to his home, have him meet, let him see his wife, and then don't have any time for anything except for just a few exchanges of words or just one exchange of words, and then they took him away again. I mean, just the fact he got tortured, you know, with an electric. Like, was it like a? It was like a a battery. They, it's like a battery of a some car kind. battery. So he's a car battery to torture him, electrocute him so badly. He was tortured so badly that one of his eyes, like it was his left eye, uh, the nerves in his left eye were damaged permanently. Yeah, yeah, and they and, showed that in the scene too, which I also thought was shot really well. That you know, because he was refusing to talk, so they, they they had this crude battery kind of tortured electrocution device and no. uh, you know they had all these uh things tied around his wrists and all the guy did was just just barely touch it to the battery like the top like the top pole thing like where you would jump a, uh-huh. a car you can tell i'm a really big uh gearhead here with my very fancy terminologies for automobile parts <laughs> you know the big pole thing that sticks out of the top of the battery or uh and the, the 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 thing that makes it go vroom vroom i don't know what that's called um, but yeah, that that was that's also something that they showed in the uh, reenactment that was crazy. Um, so after the brief visit with his family, Roger was taken back to the same hotel where he had been tortured. But this time, he managed to escape through a window in the restroom because uh, you know he was in there and he's like, he was saying, "I, you know, I'm a locksmith. I know how to unlock things." And it just shows in the reenactment him going up, you know, on standing on top of the toilet and uh, just picking this little lock and then just escaping out onto the roof and running away. And I just, again, like, it's just such a great segment, so adventurous, yeah. but yet it really happens. So it adds even more of, of a gravity of like, it, It's one of those cases where you're just like, this can't be real. You know, this has got to be made up. This has got to be bullshit. This stuff just doesn't happen, you know, here at least. So he... It doesn't even happen that often back where he lives either. Like, this is a very bizarre... Well, we we don't know. Unusual case. It could be happening more than than we would would like to think. But uh, people either don't live to tell about it or whatever. Because, you know, Roger, this was kind of a a unique incident because I think by him going on Unsolved Mysteries, he was kind of risking his life to a certain extent. And I think the fact that he was in hiding and he had and he had been in hiding uh, for many, many years. Like he had to like there was no uh, he couldn't just live a normal life, which that that in itself is torture. You know, I mean, always having to look over your shoulder and, and with a government agency you don't know who works for the government you know it could be a cl- plain clothes civilian looking person who just yep. comes up to you and grabs you in the mall sometime you know and and you're screwed so uh um, that's why you don't want to get on the government's bad side in any place that you're a part of any place that you live in well the shitty thing is country is if he had did this exact same th- stuff here in the united states 
completely legal, might have some permits and shit like yeah. that that he would have to go through, but by no means would the government swoop in and and you know, torture him and steal his stuff and all that, you know. So I don't know, maybe if he's some poor guy and and you know, they go- I'm not going to put it past the government to do something like that considering, you know, well, I think it's much less likely that way. It's that much less likely, here. absolutely. But I, I could, I, it's not implausible. Yeah, I mean, I can't exactly sit here and say that the United States the, is the a people that were beacon. like willing to like put diseases and stuff on doorknobs, you know, yeah, and things like that. Yeah, our government has a tendency to like do some pretty sketchy shit beneath or behind closed doors. Um, oh, this is an this is an opportunity to access billions of dollars, and all we have to do is take out this uh, this poor guy and steal his steal his Buddha and his diamonds and and his gold. I think nowadays it'd I be more, totally see I, them do I, that. I think it nowadays it'd be more in the style of our U.S. government to find some bullshit, tiny little infraction yeah. that he messed up on. And then just mm-hmm. get him on that technicality, so they can screw him over in the big exactly. Way. And then just take his take his Buddha and his gold and his diamonds that way. Yeah, that's 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 more of our style, <laughs> I think, nowadays. Um. So anyway, after fleeing the hotel, Roger went into hiding. He was never he never saw the golden Buddha again. At least two witnesses claim to have seen the Buddha at one of Marcos's summer palaces. Ferdinand Marcos died in 1989, but rumors persist that his family uh, still has the Golden Buddha. It was reported seen, you know, and as as I said, in one of his uh, one of his many mansions. Uh, and and uh, Rojas believes that the ten billion dollars uh, that were uh, accounted for when it comes to uh, Marcos's uh, his own personal uh, bank, so to speak, or his his. Uh, the amount of money that he was worth, he believes it's all because of, of the Buddha and, and because of the riches that he found. Yeah. Probably a large part of it. I mean, the gold bars alone. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I mean, they're showing pictures of excess of Marcos, you know, stuff like, here's a, a stone head of, of Marcos carved into the side of a cliff somewhere. Like, some demented one-person Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did show that there was a a, a big ass boulder uh, of this guy's fat, pudgy face carved into it. The last face you would want to see carved into stone, by the way. Not a pleasant looking face. Um, yeah, like uh, what what kind of level of narcissism is that, too? By the way, it almost reminds me of the uh, reminds me of the um, Mussolini. Uh, yeah, co- uh, headquarters back in World War mm-hmm. Two. Um, look that up um, if you haven't seen it. It's it's the weirdest looking. Um, it, it is the weirdest looking building you you will ever see. Uh, the headquarters of Mussolini's Italian fascist party. Look that up. It's literally it's this normal kind of normal looking building, but on the front, it just. It says C C C C S I like I guess Italian for yes, and it's got Mussolini's stone carved face, big ass face right in the middle of it. It's it's literally the weirdest building ever. So you should go out and Google that. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of similar what Ferdinand Marcos did, but it was like the, his whole head instead of just his face parts. Weird. Um, so there's an update to this story. And, it's not um, a good one, though. It's not no, it's not a good one at all. It's not the uh, not the happy ending that you would hope for. With well, this there aren't history. a lot. I mean, I've noticed that a lot with a lot of the segments we pick. No, <laughs> it's just it's a, not. <laughs> it's just oh, this is this isn't good news. Yeah, well, you know, it's like that <laughs> meme that I see floating around about unsolved mysteries. Nothing was more terrifying than seeing this guy. Uh, showing Robert Stack, telling you about mystery, or you know, telling you about mysteries that no one solved, or something, or murders that no one solved. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger Rojas went on to file a civil suit to recover the Buddha, but on the day he was set to testify, Rojas collapsed and died. Some reports blame a heart attack, but others allege foul play. The Rojas family has continued legal action against the Marcos estate, but the case has been tied up in the court system for more than a decade. Now, part of me, because I'm, I'm reminded of the Dutchman's Mine treasure that we covered on either, mm-hmm. it was either bonus segment or we did it on the show, I don't remember, but, you know, it's the two brothers, Reinhold brothers or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. and they went out into the desert looking for this Dutchman's Mine and they literally spent like the last 50 years of their life looking for it. One of the brothers, when his eyesight started to go, he realized he was never going to be able to find the mine and he killed himself. It, 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 you know, gold fever, man. It's a thing. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if, if Rojas, if Rojas had just let this go, you know, like, w- w- would he have been able to just take that loss that, okay, so, uh, an injustice has happened to you, but at the end of the day, it's just money? Yeah. Like, isn't there more to life than than being wealthy? You know? And it's like, he died, like, trying to pursue this, you know? So it's like... Well, I mean... I understand why he did everything that he did. I understand why he went to the lengths that he did because it was as, it was his way of honoring his friend. Nah, I don't buy that. I, I could see that he was honoring his friend. That was his way of honoring his friend and also he wanted money. I think he so honored his two friend. Things. I think he honored his friend by not divulging the lo- well he, yeah, he actually so he did that. Well, he finally actually did divulge the location after enough torturing. He did show him where where They didn't say that. In the, yeah, in the segment they did. I thought they didn't say that in the segment. Yeah. I thought this, he uh, didn't yeah. divulge the location. They he just said he just said they might have found it. He said they must have found it. I remember he was getting tortured, and he f- he finally goes, "Okay, I'll show you where where it's at, or whatever." I thought he just said, "Okay, I will agree to go in and r- say that that's that Buddha's not fake. Fake, the Buddha is not fake. Maybe, maybe that's all. Maybe I, so that's all I remember, and I just saw it recently. So okay, well, uh, yeah, probably more recently than I did, but well, I you know." Whatever. Whatever. I mean, it, the, clearly, Ferdinand Marcos found it somewhere. 
I think the found I think the, the point mine. is is that uh, I think I think you know Rojas much like these or tunnel much like these gold miners the the lost Dutchman's mine much like any of the other treasure segments like when treasure is brought into the mix and people are they become obsessed with yeah it. they become obsessed is a perfect word they become fucking obsessed and that's all they can think about it's all they care about. Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's a lot of money, and for somebody who was very poor and had the potential to maybe access all of this money, I mean, I could, I could kind of see why he kept trying to go for that. So yeah, I pretty much think that um, his lust for gold, it, it, it may not have killed him, but it definitely. I mean, dude, you get one life, man. That's it. You get one freaking life. Unless you're Georgia Rudolph, then you get two. But most people get one life, and it's like, do you want to spend your life searching for gold? And if you do get back what was owed to you, okay, you have a nice house, whatever. Me, personally, what I'm doing right now, working on my music, which my new album is so close to being out, I can almost taste it, and my YouTube channel, that's the shit that I live for. That's the stuff I care about. And the money, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little, uh, like, carrot at the end of the maze or whatever, piece of cheese at the end of the maze. But the, the journey, getting there, to me, is the adventurous part. That's it's a I, delicious carrot at the end of the string? It's, yeah, it's, deli- it's crunchy, and it's, yeah, it's a delicious carrot. <laughs> do, you, do you, have you ever, ever had a delicious carrot, Mike? Yeah. Who hasn't had a delicious carrot? I think there's people out there who probably haven't had a delicious carrot then they need to go have a delicious carrot sometime (laughs) (laughs) wow i don't know what's happening right now i just i just wanted to hear mike say delicious carrot again (laughs) um all right so yeah that segment was great uh i'm so glad it's on season five so everyone else can go see it yeah Um, i'm really glad people can see it too because it's a great mix of all these different type of things that make this show so great you got the unsolved mystery aspect you know the whole like okay this is all up in the air you have the whole it's the treasure thing which also is something that's always going to bring people back to the segment or definitely make people interested in it and it, i remember when i first saw it it just was very it was a very captivating segment because it starts out with this great discovery of this treasure, and then it becomes this really sad, tragic tale of torture and a government who's abusing its power, and this guy is all... He's stuck there in the middle. And he definitely felt for him. So, what's another segment about tunnels that we can talk about? Since oh, we seem very tunnel more happy. tunnels. Yeah, more tunnels. More tunnels. That's what the people want. I think is more tunnels. We want more tunnels. All right, I'll give you more tunnels. Yes. The uh, the next case is one we've mentioned a handful of times before in passing. And I don't think we even said what the name of the guy was. We just like, this is this drug dealer guy who's this drug smuggler and he has tunnels <laughs> and a pool table. He even got brought up with the uh, Kevin O'Brien interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, it is. It's a great segment. Um, the Wikia, if you're going to use that for information, that's pathetic, like Josh said, and it really is. 
So this is about the case of drug smuggler Rafael Camarena. And uh, the setting for this interesting, curious case of drug smuggling takes place in Douglas, Arizona, a.k.a. Cocaine Alley. I love that title that the DEA and the customs officers, they labeled this place as Cocaine Alley because it's right near the border, the Mexican border. And the other setting where this uh, particular case takes place in is around in Agua Prieta, Prieta, Mexico, which <laughs> I just crack up at, at uh, Robert Stack's pronunciation of uh, Agua Prieta. Yeah, because <laughs> Robert just... Stack, if you watch the uh, tribute to Robert Stack, dude knows like four languages apparently. Yeah. And something typical of people who know other languages, if they come upon a word in a language that they know, they tend to pronounce it in the tongue of how they would say it in that language, which can sometimes be charming. When Robert Stack does it, it's charming. And then it can be really annoying. Like when a white soccer mom is like, oh yeah, me and my kids, we're going to go to Nicaragua for the uh, (laughs) vacation this summer. It's like, oh, can you not do that? Can you, you... you're not culturally adding anything by trying I'm going to go visit my friends in Agua Prieta. Oh, my God. Yeah. I totally want to go to Ecuador for my uh, <laughs> vacation. It's going to be so fun. It's like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I, 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 do that, I do that same thing, too. You know, I'm, I'll be <laughs> like, um, like, I'll be like, man, I'd really love to go to uh, Hamburg und München und Stuttgart. <laughs> For meiner Reise nach Deutschland. No, I I'm pretty sure some Germans would find that annoying. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think any, I think everybody would find. I think that's universally an annoying thing. I just did. Well, German, the German language, from what I've heard, sounds like they're just really angry all that's the time. That's what everyone says. I, 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 it saddens me that people say that because it's it, the German language is a beautiful language, and I, I, it probably is. It's just, it's just a way that. There's, there's no probably, Mike. It, 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 I'm telling you, it's a beautiful language. There's no room for debate. Don't argue with me in front of all these listeners, okay? German is beautiful. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I don't want to have this discussion right now in front of all the listeners. Uh, awkward. <laughs> yeah, can, can someone edit in some of the cricket chirps right here? <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's actually get back to the case here. Um, so it takes place in Douglas, Arizona, and in Agua Prieta, Mexico. And uh, this was around, I think, in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And this concerns uh, drug smuggler Rafael Camarena, who started up a construction supply company that provided concrete and other construction supplies to construction workers and construction companies. From the people who work for him, who were interviewed for this segment, they said he seemed like a family man, a guy who you would like to hang out with and be friends with, but he had a devious facade. It, oh my God, Mike, it's facade. 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 There we go. Facade. You're such an American. <laughs> uh, it's a facade. Like, you know, facada bread that you eat your sandwich on. Oh my God. Are you just going to be busting my balls throughout this entire segment? Is I, that what this is going to be? 
I am going to be berating you, you stupid American, in your uh, bad pronunciations. If so, uh, <laughs> all right, but he had a devious facade. He was a drug smuggler, a rather notorious one, in fact, who was brazenly smuggling drugs in, into the United States from his new home at Agua Prieta. And he did all of this right in front of the U.S. Customs Office's nose because their headquarters was located a block away from his supply company, which is insane. He's got balls. Big balls. So even U.S. Customs officers said this was one of the most amazing cases they've ever seen or been a part of, and I can see why. The U.S. Customs Office was tipped off of his operation and staked out his company for two months and became suspicious of a truck that arrived and left the company almost every day. They followed the truck to a farm owned by Camarena and discovered $100 million of cocaine there. Cocaine! Cocaine! Cocaine them. But they did not know how he was able to smuggle all these drugs so close to the customs office without anyone noticing. Exactly. Like, how the hell is he managing to do this shit? They then received a tip that he was smuggling these drugs through a man-made concrete tunnel that he built underneath the home uh, in uh, Agua Prieta that led to a warehouse and his construction supply company's lot in the uh, location in Douglas, Arizona. He kept the tunnel hidden from the naked eye via something you would see out of a James Bond movie. A pool table and a two-ton block of concrete that would raise up via hydraulic pedestals to reveal the tunnel and enable him and his men to hide drugs until they were to be loaded onto trucks and stored away in hidden compartments inside the truck's flatbed. I mean, this is... It is amazing. I mean, the amount of just manpower and how just intelligent this whole operation is it's actually pretty it's, yeah it's very sophisticated and uh the reenactment they they do a top-notch job here it's just it's spectacular because they actually are were able to shoot inside the real tunnels which were not hastily made tunnels these weren't like shitty like half-assed tunnels these were like concrete tunnels with concrete floors and concrete walls and and ceilings yeah they were designed, and lighting and everything they were designed like intelligently they were designed with like they were arched so it, they the they supported their own weight and they had lighting and uh like ele like elevator systems uh you know pulleys and, that they used to yeah pulleys and move the drugs yeah, it's just crazy because it is. this guy's house, it looked like just a ranch-style suburban house, and didn't he even, he he was even like, uh, wasn't he like, no, no, it was a different story I'm thinking of, where he paid people to like masquerade as family members outside. Yeah, that that's a different story. That's You know what story I'm talking about, though? That's a great story. Maybe. That's a great story. Anyway. But no, I mean, like when they finally like busted this guy's house or whatever, uh, I mean they they were they were having difficulty finding like okay you know like where what's where's this tunnel where is it at the damn pool table lifts up 
Yeah. And there's a damn ton, you know, there's a like, hydraulic system. I mean, who does that? How do you do that? How do you do any of that shit? It is like something out of a James Bond movie. Yeah. It, you know? Like, how do you do that even in a clandestine way, like, without people finding out? And even that flatbed truck going from his uh, wood or his concrete plant in Arizona, it's not really a plant. It's a, it's a his his uh, company in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Going over the border, and you know, it's just a flatbed truck. Well, underneath the p- panels of the flatbed were all the drugs. Yeah, know? underneath the you know the there were hidden compartments inside the truck's flatbed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very sophisticated, very detailed. The U.S. Customs and the D agents, they raided his home in Agua Prieta, and they found two guys there who said they were gardeners and probably arrested them. And they found out the Camarena and his family had fled. So they had gotten out of Dodge, and they weren't able to get them. There is an update, though, for this case. About ten years later, it was discovered the Camarena was incarcerated in a Mexican prison. He was then extradited to the United States, where he served more time for drug smuggling. He has since been released. I love those. I love those uh, updates where it's like this big story, and then the update's yeah. just like, "Yeah, he served a few years in jail, and he's been released." I know. It's and it's like, wait, what? Like you just—that's that, way too common of an occurrence. It's just like this guy—he's <laughs> probably smuggling drugs again. You just, somewhere. you just took me on this big ass adventure, and now you're you're just like ending it with like, oh yeah, now he got out of jail, and now he's doing fine. And it's like, wait, I wanted I wanted him to like build some tunnel out of jail and like <laughs> stab someone in the neck, you know, like. And this case, it's memorable because of the whole like pool table thing and all of that, and how brazen this guy is. I mean, right in front of the U.S. Customs Office headquarters. Yeah, which is arguably the smartest place to do it if you were going to do it. Because, I mean, talk about, like, right under the no- the last place you would su- suspect, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we were talking to Kevin O'Brien, which I forget which episode it was, where we t- did the uh, the director of uh, photography or cinematography, whatever, Mike. Photography, DP. There you go. Um, he was telling us that uh, the reenactment for that that scene or whatever they actually they they found an old gas station that had a hydraulic lift uh where they would work on cars and they were able to build a set around that hydraulic lift and they were able to you know put the pool table on it and everything and that it just goes to show you the kind of ingenuity that these uh the producers and you know, these various, uh, the director of photography and all these various people had for this show, you know, just, just the ingenuity to be able to, like, make something like this come to life, you know, a story like this with, yeah. with very little resources, you know. It's, it was very impressive to hear. And this is one of the, yeah, it is. It was an extremely impressive effect to see, uh, and it was really cool to hear him explain how they did that. I love that kind of stuff. That's something I'm really interested in. This case is just one of many examples of drug smugglers who do just crazy shit. Just find new, inventive, crazy ways of smuggling drugs into the U.S. Uh, There's one, I remember reading one where they were catapulting drugs over the wall. With catapults. 
That's not as inventive to me. That's actually very. That's like, still well. It's still. I mean, think about how how brazen that is. How ballsy that is. You're just setting up a catapult on the other end and just flinging drugs over it. Yeah, that's that is very ballsy. It's not as amazing as the tunnel. Yeah, that's the thing about Donald Trump's and, wall and, that he's going to build. It's going to be a great wall. Going to be going to be a fantastic wall. Great wall. Fantastic. Fabulous wall. Yeah, I mean, like, aren't people just going to do that same thing? I mean, can this mi- mile... They're just going to build a bigger catapult and slay it, fly... We're going to need a bigger catapult. Over it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, what, are they going to guard, like, all, what, uh, a thousand miles of that border? They're going to guard it at all times with all it's this... It's as man- dumb as that plan in that movie Pacific Rim, which I like to call Pacific Rim Job. Where they their whole plan to keep out these monsters was to build a giant wall, and I'm like, the monsters should just break through it. They're giant monsters. Like, w- did you really think that through? Oh, we'll build this giant wall out of concrete and whatever. Yeah, and these are like uh, monsters who could, with one fist, punch a hole through it. Not a good idea. Waste of money. Yeah, I almost feel like we didn't do this segment justice because you really have to see it visually to truly. Oh, exactly. It. I mean, you really do. I mean, it is one of those segments that oh, it doesn't sound like that much. It's a very short segment, but when you see it for yourself, you're going to be like, "Wow, I can't even believe!" Because like, you're like, "This actually exists. Like, this isn't some made-up thing for a James Bond movie or for some episode of some TV show or Miami Vice or some shit." This is a real thing, and they show the real tunnel as well, which is a really great touch. It's a great tunnel, great drugs, fantastic cocaine. It was the best cocaine I've ever snorted. (laughs) Oh, man. And I think there's other drug dealers uh, who were pretty inventive as well. I think there's some of the other bigger ones that also had their own tunnels as well. I want my own tunnel. drugs in. I don't know what I would smuggle underneath that tunnel. I'd probably just smuggle like all my embarrassing like sexual paraphernalia that I wouldn't want anyone to see. <laughs> that would be a great service for people. You know, that's how you smuggle people's sex toys and their embarrassing, you know, vices. You smuggle it through this tunnel. Yeah, like the 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 uh, deep net Amazon. Like Amazon.com and there's like deep web Amazon. Yeah, they 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 have these tunnels. It's like, yeah, I'd like to order uh, some Astro Glide and a Thomas the Tank Engine uh, tr- toy train. Uh, don't ask why. It's my own personal purposes, but I'm gonna need you to send it to me through a tunnel so no one sees it. The wife, you know, she might get a little uh, questiony there. That was a very specific example. All right, I'm going to have to move on so no one asks any more questions about that. Um, All right, so now it is the part of the 50th episode, one-year anniversary part, where we we get you, the people, involved. Damn it. Because, like, that's that's the whole purpose. Um, So I had an email on our Facebook group, which is, uh, the group again is called Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, You can actually like us on Facebook too. We have a fan page called um, facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And um, I had an email address that you could submit your stories, questions, comments, whatever to. 
And so we have some emails from that. But before we get to that, on our group um, one, Corin, I think it's Corin, not Corin. She corrected me one time. Uh, she actually had something on our group, which was actually quite brilliant, um, where she just posted, tell us your un- un- unexplained mystery. Um, she goes, doesn't have to be exciting or spooky, just something that happened and to this day still remains unsolved. I mean, unexplained. That's pretty funny because she's alluding to how when we first started out, we were called Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries and then we got slapped with a cease and desist. I had to change the name. A lot of you remember that. It was a horrible experience. But she says, for me as a teen, my friend called me from a payphone, and we could hear a male voice on the line. We aren't sure how or why, but it was creepy as hell, and he was speaking another language. Oh, Corin, Corin, you were were hearing Kevin Paulson because Kevin Paulson was the hacker who uh, stole all the phone equipment. So that's what was going on with that. (laughs) Who also tied into Ferdinand Marcos because he had gotten information from the cia regarding anyway them trailing off but so a bunch <laughs> that sounds that definitely does sound creepy as hell yeah it really does so we had a bunch of people on the facebook group submit their various stories so we're going to try to go through these as quickly as possible here because some of so, them are a little lengthy yeah so the first one we have here is from patrick martin uh he this is his uh unexplained mystery story i met this person at a church retreat who seemed to understand everything about me i saw them for three days or so and we we didn't hang out much because there were they were with a different church but we were good friends during those three days sadly i never got to thank them for being a great friend at at the time when i had no friends and no one seemed to understand me it may not be unexplained but definitely a lost love lost friend oh that's kind of sad I, I wish there. I wish we could have an update, you know, and have a reunion. I hope he uh, gets in contact with him again. Hopefully, fate or something happens, and the law of attraction comes into play, and you end up uh, reuniting with your lost friend. Yeah, um, you know, all, all I can really say is. Thank you for being a friend. You are a pal and a confidant. And if I had a party, invited everyone I knew who you would be the something something to me. And thank you for being a friend. <laughs> <laughs> no good. <laughs> yeah. No good. All right, moving on. Uh, Jennard Robinson. Jennard. Is that, is that my, all right, Jennard, whatever. Jennard, I don't know. Is that J? Jennard? Hennard? You know, the J, <laughs> it, it can be many sounds, and it's usually not what I think it is. Uh, they say, uh, mine's a few paragraphs long, so if anyone wants to read about a uh, spooky man thing in the woods, here's a blog link, LOL. The post fails to mention it. But, uh, okay, so this is apparently a really long thing here. Let me see just how long this is. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah, that's not that bad. Okay, so I'll read this here. Uh, Late Night Spooky Stuff, Part 1. The other night I was walking home with Jeremy. Uh, We got about halfway through the woods and he froze. I turned and he said, there's something there. I went to reach for him and said, relax. It's probably just teens smoking in the woods. We'll scare them off. And he said, no, it's something. I turned and saw it, standing in the middle of the path, staring. I instantly felt fear, like something was around me. I was afraid. Not like I was, but something else. I'm pretty sure I fucked that up. 
Okay. All right. Let's try that again. <laughs> I instantly felt fear like something around me was afraid. Not like I was, but something else was. Okay, now I get to something else was afraid standing around her. I said, I see it. It's afraid. And Jeremy took a step, for, for, uh, step towards me. As soon as Jeremy took the step, it turned faster than anything could turn. It didn't take human steps, but seemed to run off into the woods. It was too fast, so it seemed to be gliding, but was shaped like it was running. I said, it ran off into the woods. Let's go. Probably just teens that heard us being loud. I didn't want to scare anyone or even let it know I saw it. I guess. Josh didn't see it. It was too fast. Now, who's Josh? Where's Josh coming to the story? I thought Jeremy was the name of the person. Now there's a Josh, me. I didn't see it. You're right, I didn't. We kept walking. When we got out of the woods, Jeremy asked me what it was. He doesn't believe in the paranormal, so was it physically there? We agreed not to describe it to each other, but to split up when we got home and draw it. Well, here's our drawings. That one's mine. The next one is Jeremy's. So basically what the drawing is of is a very slender black... Oh, so a slender man? Well, we're, we're, essentially what they saw is the male restroom guy. The sign <laughs> for male restroom. That's. A, I'm just imagining if you see that in in in... Real life, you know, in, in reality, like you're just hanging around, you're just walking around somewhere, and then here comes the restroom sign guy. Yeah, he's, jogging it's the, by. you know, the male with the the circle head, and the, that's that's what these. That's exactly what this is, except black. So I the, would call it more of like a shadow man. Well, the first drawing is definitely a male restroom sign, <laughs> and then they go uh, fucking similar as hell, right? Jeremy described his as. Kind of like that, only narrower, and felt like it was really tall, so that's a guy for scale. And it felt like it was staring at me and kind of hunched over and was easily the darkest thing in view. And the limbs looked way too thin and long. Well, what do you think? What did we see? Have you seen anything like it? Um, that sounds like... Um, sounds like you kids were on drugs. So you kids were on drugs, you were hallucinating, and um, that's what it was. So I'm assuming uh, Jennard was on drugs, and they saw the uh, restroom sign, the male restroom <laughs> sign in the woods. I just, I just, I, I'm just imagining, like, you're going to the bathroom, and then the restroom sign thing is blank, and you're like, what? And then you see the restroom sign guy walking past. Um, all right. So, uh, Tom, I, I would have to say, I would think that one is, I mean, they might've seen something that freaked them out, but it could have just been shadows. I mean, cause shadows can really play tricks on you, especially at night. Yeah. And the woods too. I mean, yeah. come on where you have trees, dark trees that can look like skinny, long limbs. And maybe you guys, even though you weren't admitting it to yourselves, you were probably a little scared, a little on edge. So, I mean, I think that that's probably... Like, I, I wasn't scared. Maybe the thing was. Why would the thing be scared of you? <laughs> well, I mean, if, even if it was scared, I mean, it's like... Uh, uh, yeah, if it, if, it was, if it was like Slender Man or something, or some entity, why the hell would it be scared of you? Yeah. Okay, so the next... Uh, Story we have is from Michelle Beauchamp Chenard. 
I don't know if I said that right. I probably didn't. I probably butchered it. I'm sorry. I had an imaginary friend when I was younger. One day, she didn't show up to play. So I told my mom I wanted to go and get her. My mom, being the most awesome mom she was, took me in the car and let me lead the way there. We went straight across town and stopped in front of a house. It was an abandoned house that no one was living in. So my question is, imaginary friend or ghost friend? Her name was New Michelle. <laughs> nice. LOL. I don't know. It could be a ghost friend. All right, moving on. Kate Stack. Oh, oh, I think Kate has already like made the uh, mention in the group that no relation to Robert Stack, which is a damn shame, if you ask me, because Robert Stack does have a daughter. I was hoping maybe it was the, uh, the Kate Stack. Anyway, uh, she says, Sister's house has a ghost that doesn't like it when you swear. You get, really, <laughs> you get really nauseous or cold. Last year I was babysitting, and I woke up to my five-year-old niece talking to somebody. I asked her what. She said, "Auntie, I'm not talking, but to uh, or I'm not talking to but to the nice man. I was just it was just her and I in the house. I told her that fibbing would get her in trouble, and she looked at me totally flabbergasted and said, "I know you can't see him, but he doesn't like it when you and Mama swear." Then I felt freezing cold. It was July. I curb my tongue in her house now. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. But still, fuck that ghost. <laughs> yeah, that ghost's a real dick, sh- <laughs> dick cheese. That's a dickhead. The next uh, uh, story is actually uh, one uh, Patrick Martin uh, mentioned something again, but he just tied it. He was just it was tied into his earlier uh, thing. He actually submitted his lost love story into the new Unsolved Mysteries website. Uh, he didn't get anything back if it was posted or not, though. But he did get a lawsuit from John and Terry, though, so that's that's <laughs> cool. Um, this is from uh, Thomas Hatfield. He says, One night when I was in a senior in high school, some friends and I went driving around, and we decided to go to the cemetery. We were the golf kids, and the mall had already closed. And we were just walking around, talking, joking. And after a few minutes, one of my friends started feeling odd, and she said that she needed to sit down. A few more minutes passed, and she got more upset to the point of tears. It was awkward, but we just sat there with her whole time. We sat there with her the whole time, comforting her. Once she settled down a bit, she got up, and we started to make our way out. Then we noticed the name of the headstone she was leaning on, and it read Thomas Hatfield. Bum bum bum. That is pretty creepy. That is creepy. That's a great story. Thank you, Thomas. We'll probably be hearing from you soon. Uh, next story is from Annie Shock. Shock the monkey! Uh, it's really long. If you want to hear it, I wrote it out a couple of years ago about a house I used to live in. Oh, darn. It's, one, it's a long one. Um, sorry, Annie. We don't really have time to read it right now. We're on a time thing. We will we'll save this one for... Uh, how about next... Well, yeah, I don't know. Next yeah, we'll week do, we have... We'll do it next week. Yeah, we'll do it next week. Okay, we'll do that one next week. Sorry, Annie. We uh, we started late. It's all Mike's fault, and uh, so now it's we- all the DOL's fault. Blame the Washington State DOL. Don't blame me. All right. So our next one's from Marty Lane. He says, "I actually had a ghost physically yell at me one time." <laughs> just imagining how scary that would be, and how just random it would be too. Jesus. But it would also might be funny if it if the ghost said something like yelled at you some obscenity or something. 
Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Baba Booey. Yelling you to shut up. He said, or, he said, I was home alone playing my computer and my sound did not work at all, he capitalizes. I lived out in the boonies, but I was living with a friend of mine and they was out. They was out. I can tell you live in the boonies with how you tap there, Marty. Uh, I was in front of my computer and I heard a voice crystal clear saying, get out. And it was a female voice, but the voice was so gargly like a frog in your throat. Get out. <laughs> didn't startle me but was kind of shocked only time that happened didn't startle you man you got you got iron cojones. in your stomach alright uh, I would I would definitely be startled we'll do especially last if one. something straight out of the Amityville Horror showed up and told me to get out probably would have ran out of my room I think you guys are I think you guys are fibbing a little bit on the uh, whole oh I wasn't afraid front because uh I would have been in all these situations pretty freaked out. This one is from Corinne. Oh, I got another one. Uh, move out of home for the first time. Shared house with a few friends. Got home from work late. Everyone was in bed asleep, so I showered and got into bed. And as I was dozing off, I heard my door open and close. I looked expecting to see my housemate, but no one was there. And then I heard footsteps walk to my bed and the sound of someone sitting on the floor. Again, I looked, and but I couldn't make out anyone. And I wasn't scared or anything. I felt comforted and relaxed. And after a few minutes, whatever it was, got up and walked to my door. And the sound of my door opening and closing was heard. I didn't actually see my door open or close, though. God, I get chills just thinking about that. <sighs> yeah, that's weird, man. All those uh, prisoners, all those English prisoners uh, taken to the island country of Australia, haunting the uh, grounds there. That's just my guess. I'm no, I'm no William Roll. All right, our last story from uh, the Facebook group comes from Sanda Guzdek. I'm probably saying that wrong. She says, I was dozing off in bed in my darkened room. Thought my roommate was in the doorway. Definitely a female figure. All right, I like this story so far. The light was on in the hallway, so she was backlit. Anyhow, I thought maybe she wanted to ask me something, so I lifted my head a little. And as she walked towards me, to my bafflement, the figure dissipated into nothingness. Shattered apart before my eyes until it was just gone. I just laid there, blinking. Probably was just some kind of weird, half-sleeping dream, but it really didn't feel like it. It was the weirdest thing I have ever encountered, except for thinking I'd seen a barefoot ghost in the same house. Yeah, that's pretty freaky. Very freaky. Um... There's actually a freaky one in the emails here that's coming up. All right, folks, now we are at the special segment that I teased earlier. little segment we like to call Know Your Moderator. And uh, if you don't know what a moderator is, it's someone who moderates things on groups and stuff, etc. So uh, Thomas Hatfield, uh, some sto- a little backstory behind him and why he's important to be mentioned for the podcast is uh, when we were dealing with our uh, legal issues and we had to rebrand the podcast and everything, uh, Thomas, who is a designer, he made um, artwork for us, for all of our platforms, and uh, it's really awesome, and, and it's what you see every week when you get a new podcast update and you see a little picture on there, Thomas did all that, and uh, he's such a good shit that I decided that you know he'd be a good guy to be involved with the moderating of the Facebook group. 
And he does extra stuff on there too. Uh, he does. Uh, he'll actually look up the addresses of these of these various locations of uh, the happenings of unsolved mysteries. Like, okay, let's just take for instance like the Tallman House uh, segment. He will like somehow. I don't even know how he does it. He finds the address of it and he puts it up on our group, and it just really adds a lot to it. And I just thought it would be cool because me and Mike are, are we're such casual fans, you know. We're just very, very casual fans. We don't really like the show that much. So we figured, why not bring on another casual fan who's also been a fan of this podcast to uh, talk about himself? So welcome, Thomas. Hey, what's going on, guys? Oh, just nice chilling. to have you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you guys. Uh, very, very thankful that you guys asked me to come on, man. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, Thomas lives. I appreciate all your hard work. Thomas lives. Uh, yeah, any, in... anytime, man. I'm, I'm very into the project and uh, more than glad to do it. So, yeah. yeah. Thomas lives in a tin can, as you can hear from the sound here. So, he lives in a big Campbell soup can in Texas. Um, That's right. So. <laughs> So Thomas, like what what like tell like what's your history with Unsolved Mysteries? Did you watch as a kid? Yeah. Uh and I wanted to start out so I wanted to ask you guys something. I, I don't know if this is a coincidence or a happy accident or you guys <laughs> did this on purpose, but uh, you guys cut these episodes on Wednesday nights and uh Unsolved Mysteries came on Wednesday nights uh, on NBC, uh yeah, eight seven Ooh. central. So uh I Always wondered if you guys did that on purpose or if that was like no, a we, happy we did not accident. know that. I it's a happy accident as far as I know. Well, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the podcast schedule has changed around uh, through the past year, and it's it's all been hinging upon our various schedules because I think we used to record on Sunday was our oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and then we had to move it, and it's been shuffled all around. And we just it's been better on Wednesday anyway. Sunday was not not a good day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I got into the podcast around. Uh, I, I think you guys probably had like maybe eight or nine episodes. Uh, oh, so the early yeah, days so, where we both uh, sounded like shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, right, right before the uh, cease and desist. Ah, uh, uh, like I had only listened. Yeah. To, uh, uh, oh, geez, probably the. I think it was the episode you did on the Black Dahlia murder and the Bent Waters UFO was the first mm-hmm. one I listened to. And that's then, a good so place I, to start. Yeah, so I went back and listened to the previous ones, and that's when uh, uh, you guys mentioned the cease and desist. So that was the beginning for me. But yeah, to, to answer your question, no, uh, yeah, I, I've been in Unsolved Mysteries since I was a kid, and uh, uh, it was actually one of my. Uh, UUM asks questions that I put in the group some time ago, which is, uh, what was the first, do you remember the first episode you watched? And, um, I, I think I was about eight years old. Yeah, it was 1991. So I was eight and, um, I was sick and staying with my grandmother. For some reason, my parents were out of town, so they couldn't take care of me. It was during the school year. And so I was staying with my grandmother and, I was sitting on the couch watching it with her one night and uh, it was the Beverly McGowan, uh, Elaine Parent segment. Ah. And, uh, you know, I didn't know the names back then, but Mm -hmm. looking back, that's what it was. Because I remembered the part where Robert Stack's describing the crime scene where he says um, her head was like crudely decapitated or something like that. Oh, my God. That would be... 
one uh, hell of a first uh, segment to be introduced right. to, that's for sure. So, and I remembered turning to my grandmother, asking her what decapitated meant, and then she, <laughs> then she told me. <laughs> she so, actually uh, told you. Wow. So yes, yes. So that's a pretty awesome you, grandmother. So when you're eight years old, that really fucks with you a lot. So uh, I'm just imagining that whole uh, back and forth. It's just, my, Grandma, what's decapitated? Well, you see, yeah. it's when you take a young man's head and you start severing the neck and you go through the vocal cords and the throat and the Adam's apple and you got to really cut on the spinal cord because the spinal cord really, that takes a lot of sign. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went down. It was Texas, so that it pretty much sounded like that. Uh, so uh, yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. Very good. You know, uh, I don't know <laughs> what it is about grandmas and and their sick their sick obsession with allowing their grandkids to watch unsolved mysteries because that seems to be a theme. That's that's how I was. You know, my grandmother liked to watch the show. My mom liked right. to watch the show. It always so did my aunt. So. Yeah, because that's my grandma came down from Massachusetts and she would put on the show and I'd be watching it and it would be scary as hell. And my and my grandma from Massachusetts, she'd go, oh, Josh, stop, stop. <laughs> Every time I get it's just television. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally was invalidated. It's just murder. It's just murder, Josh. It's all it is. It's just murder. I don't know what accent that was, Mike, but that was not Massachusetts. I know it wasn't. You made you made my my grandma sound like an aristocrat, like she was some like <laughs> duchess from like France or something. She's just telling murder, Josh. Just murder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I remembered uh, being obsessed with that case, like remembering those, just the brutality of that case, was just so sick, you know, and that really messed with me. And I remembered always being freaked out by that, and then. Um, I had to keep watching, of course. <laughs> so uh, I remembered it. I remembered watching it the next time it came on, and I think that was the episode where uh, where it had the Belgian UFO. Oh, that's a great one. And, uh, so yeah, by then, man, school was out. Like I was obsessed with the show, uh, and and as a kid, it was all about the UFOs, the ghosts, and all that shit. Like, the, the, those were the best segments to me. The, those were the best ones. So, um, uh, those so the I was for me as a kid, too. And yeah. as an adult. Yeah. There's been other think, segments yeah. that have really yeah. piqued my interest a little bit more. Yeah, I think when I asked... Uh, yeah, that was another one of my uh, asks questions on the group. And that, that seemed to be what everyone said, was that everyone was into the unexplained and... As they've grown older, they're more into like the murders and the frauds and and that kind of thing. But uh, it's it's got the show has something for everybody, and I think that's what yeah. kind of makes it stand the test of time. And it, it makes it stand out from a lot of these other shows like it, because a lot of shows like it nowadays only focus on one thing. The only they focus on murder, or they focus on kidnapping. They focus on fraud, right. or they focus on the unexplained. There's not. You know, there's no grab bag. Yeah, and I think also one thing that Unsolved did that the others don't, it, there seems to be a higher level or a higher um, attention paid to taste. Yeah. Uh, the way they covered cases was very tasteful and it wasn't, it never seemed exploitative or, or, tasteless. or anything like that. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, it was tasteful, but extremely entertaining at the same time. And I think if you're able to do that, that's, that's one hell of a show. Uh, so I think, uh, they make it look easy. Yeah, it, oh, it, yeah. It isn't. It isn't easy to have a show with all these different elements and all these different things and make it work out. Yeah, and well. you know, I think we re- the test I, of time. I think we really saw from um the revamps just how they had all the right elements oh, in God. they had lightning tennis arena. They had lightning in in the <laughs> bottle for for the original show with Robert Stack, they had just the right amount of spices and ingredients to make the perfect fruitcake. Um, because when Dennis Farina went in there, okay, you got the same segments, you got the same stories. D- it didn't work. It didn't work on any level. I don't really they know. They shouldn't have many had the people. same segments or the same stories to begin with. I didn't like that about the sh- that show from day one. I'm like, yeah. why are you bringing back the show just to give me re edited repeats? Of segments I've already seen many times everybody. on Lifetime. Yeah, it confused yeah, everybody. And everything transcribed word for word. And then and even America's Most like, Wanted, yeah. the competition for true crime stuff at the time, for that kind of thing, even that wasn't doing that. They had new cases. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just went to show you how just because, you know, you have a name, Unsolved Mysteries, and, and you have access to the old segments. I mean, Robert Stack was gone. He was a big part of why it worked. But again, you know, and I already made the, the YouTube video about this, about comparing the revamp to the original, where I basically nailed everything on the head about yeah. why it sucked. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it was, they tried to modernize it. They took out, you know, the music. For fuck's sake, the music was such a oh, huge part yeah. of it. You know, Don't they, even get me started on the music. <laughs> yeah, Who no, remembers the yeah. music for the reboot? I no, I don't, and I well, I sort of do, but only because right before I came home today, I watched Josh's video on revamp oh, versus yeah. original, just to kind of refresh my thoughts and feelings like, about I'm the show. I'm trying to even yeah. remember what it is, what the tune uh, goes it's, it's, like. It's, it's just a Nickelback like, album with no vocals. It's just like yeah, yeah, it, it's just bad. It's awful. <laughs> it's just really bad. It's soulless, yeah. you know. It's soulless. It's 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 almost like it's almost like a clip show, you know. Like it's a lazy ass fucking reboot. Yeah. Well, what it, it is, really is what it what it is is it's what happens. It it's what a bunch of fifty year old TV execs think that twenty year old TV watchers want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Talk yeah. to John and Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's what it is. That's what happened with that. Well, I mean, I would venture to, as far as to say that I don't think John and Terry had much involvement in the revamp, honestly. I think they did. Remember, we saw the, the interview, the stuff that was uh, cribbed from the Reddit AMA, and they were asked about that, and I think they even said that kind of thing. Like, we're trying to go for younger audiences. Oh, true. Stuff yeah. like that. They've been known to do that in the past. When I, I, think, I think they were totally heavily involved with it. And uh, remember what they tried to do with CBS. They tried to, okay, we're trying to get younger audiences, or we're trying to uh, less unexplained cases or something. Uh, we're also trying to get this other stuff. Um, let's have Kiwi Shea Smith. Let's have uh, Virginia Madsen. I think it was her. Yeah, uh, that's right. We'll have all the, you know, it, it didn't work. None of it worked. None of the yeah. attempts to try to modernize the show worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, Josh, your video about the revamp versus that, that's pretty much, that's my feelings on it. 
he says it all. like he says it all like it's pretty much yeah there was nothing that it was something that didn't need perfected and, uh, it didn't need it's... to be made if they're not going to have new cases and new reenactments. Now, if it had this kind of obnoxious guitar, whatever approach, you know, for uh, young men, because it's Spike, television yeah. men, which right. I always found ironic because it goes from Lifetime, <laughs> television for women, to Spike, television for men. <laughs> Miriam! <laughs> uh, but no. uh, is this one of those things that's like, if they had original segments, I could watch it more because, you know, it's obnoxious with the editing and all that stuff. And it wouldn't hold a candle to the original, but at least it, it would offer something different, it would offer something new. So I have a question for Thomas. So, Thomas, do you feel like you watch Unsolved Mysteries now, like the ones with Stack that's on Amazon or whatever? Do you do you think that you watch it to try to, to you know, kind of for nostalgic reasons or do you watch it because... You you feel like maybe it's it's a show that was kind of rare for its time that stood the test of time and it just kind of gives you something that uh, that you that you can't get because that's something I'm always curious about when I run into people who like unsolved mysteries is like are they watching it for the nostalgia or are they watching it because they really genuinely like the product that they were able to put out and catch that lightning in the bottle kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'd have to say both. Uh, yes to both things uh i mean it it i guess it started out as nostalgia uh you know because there was a time where you know i grew up and graduated high school and let i went to the air force and you know did all these growing up things and didn't really sit in front of the tv as much and didn't have access to the show uh so there was some time i spent away from it but uh, when i had a deployment to the Middle East in 2005, uh, I went to the, you know, some if you, if you, anybody that knows anything about the military, it, there uh, we have uh, what's called a BX or a PX. It's a it's an exchange. It's pretty much like a little Walmart where you can just buy anything you need. And um, the little BX they had there um, had a DVD section, and that's where I found the the Unsolved Mysteries was released on. But uh, it wasn't the big box. It wasn't the ultimate collection. It was the um, the categories individually. Yeah. And, uh, and so I found uh, UFOs. Uh, sorry, Burp. Uh, UFOs, uh, ghosts, and legends. And I bought oh, those. Oh, legends! Three. That was a great. Right. So I found those, then. and they were like twenty bucks a piece or something that's, like that. That's and, a good uh, deal. Now so that a lot more that kind of. That revived that uh, that revived that interest, you know, from being a kid. So I was like, "Oh shit!" So I just bought all three of them right there, you know, and uh, watched them, and that kind of brought it back, that interest back stronger than ever, I think. And then, uh, so it was nostalgia at that point, and then it became something of like, "Man, I this was really." this was a really fucking good show, man. Like the music was great. Uh, Robert Stack is like, he's, he's a, a God, you know, like there, <laughs> there'll never be another voice like that. There'll never be another presence like that. Uh, like nothing will compare to him. And then just the way everything was filmed, the way everything looked visually, just the way everything had that fuzzy glow to it. Yeah. I just, love that. Yeah. Uh, just everything 
everything about it just meshed together so well. And uh, I think it even stood out amongst other stuff in that same category in the 80s, even. Um, uh, visually and and musically and well, I mean, compared to this America's Most Wanted, and, and I, I like the show, but Unsolved Mysteries beats it in every oh, way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. The closest I can think yeah. of in terms of reenactments that's on par with Unsolved Mysteries would be Rescue 911. And that's a different kind of thing. Right. But I think yeah. that's the closest I can think of in terms of really nailing the reenactments, in terms of the atmosphere, the mood, and mm-hmm. really making things believable. Yeah, Rescue 911 definitely had that good sense of urgency to it when you'd watch the reenactments. And America's Most Wanted was yeah, definitely cheaper. Yeah, definitely cheaper. And it was definitely, um, to be honest, I can't really remember a whole lot visually about it. Yeah, I can't uh, either. I just, I just know it didn't have that same cinematic quality that Unsolved did. And, no, it was a very low budget show. I, I love it, but. It's mainly a nostalgia thing with that one. That's nostalgia right there with America's Most yeah, Wanted. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. With Unsolved Mysteries, it's a genuinely great show. And it kind of I kind of started out when I uh, rediscovered it. It was nostalgia at first, as it would be. I mean, it's I grew up watching reruns on Lifetime, and they were no longer on Lifetime. And all the reruns I would get it would be of that shitty reboot show featuring Dennis Farina. And... I think I checked out some of the box sets from the library and watched those. And I remember one Halloween, I decided, you know, it'd be a perfect thing to watch on Halloween would be, you know, some Unsolved Mysteries ghost segment. So I found like a, a link online and watched them. And it's only recently where I've actually gotten some of the box sets myself and for actually pretty good deals, which, you know, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm blessed with that. I'm blessed when it comes to that. I mean, if there's a God. He, you know, he exists. He definitely knows what I like and really lines things up well for me to, to you know, get things that I want uh, in terms of media-related things for really good deals, usually. The, so, the video gods have blessed you. Yeah, they have, really. <laughs> so I, and then through a site, the show will not be named, I, I found uh, some VHS rips of Unsolved Mysteries, and then I just started binge-watching. Oh, and this is before this is for Am- <laughs> this is before Amazon even had anything up. So oh, wow. I was like, and then this is where it became not just uh, nostalgia. This became an obsession, and like I love this show because it was all like, wow. And before this, I I'd, I'd revisited sightings, and that was a lot of fun. But unsolved mysteries, I found it on that site, and then I was just like, oh my god! Like segments I've never seen, and it was recorded off of Lifetime, so it had that kind of, you know, bit. There were VHS riffs, but it it kind of reminded me of the kind of like, oh, it's kind of what it might have looked like, you know, when I saw it in a rerun on TV, you know, with, exactly. with my with my uh, with my parents or with my relatives, and. I, I remember, like, and Josh knows this, I remember telling him, like, I stayed up for, like, four hours straight watching these segments. <laughs> I think I'm addicted. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I hate to cut I hate to cut this short, but uh, we have to move on to some uh, emails yeah. and this, that, and the other. Um, so, Thomas, where can people find you in your graphic design-ness and, you know, hire you to do their projects and give you money and I don't know whatever the fuck I'm talking about you know where 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 can you be found are you are you promoting anything is there a website uh well uh yeah you can find my design work at uh, dribble.com 
Uh, it's dribble with three B's, D R I B B B L E dot com slash Thomas Hatfield. And uh, that's where I, I'll throw something up there every, every now and again, whenever I have the time. Uh, I work at a marketing firm, so I'm, uh, so I'm pretty busy. But so for personal stuff, I don't, I put all my personal things there. Um, all the work I get do, all the work I do professionally uh, is at um, uh, produceresults.com. It's the ad agency I work at uh, and here in Denton, Texas. And um, you'll find a lot of my work on there. We do websites, we do logo design, uh, stuff like that. Uh, is, that so, a, is that a Jacksonville Jaguars uh, little thing? I see, poster flyer thing I see back there. Uh, yeah, right back. There. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, so you can <laughs> see me. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my Jaguars pennant there. Uh, I got a. Uh, I have a little helmet. Oh my goodness! But yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Jags fan, man. That uh, has to be rough. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not, it's not fun, man. It's, uh, it's, but hey, it's you know, it, it's one of those things where you know that's a true fan for you. You know, I, it, I respect yeah. fans like you so much that stay with Straight their team. Up, man. Yeah, it's, uh, Well, I had a one of my buddies that I went to middle school with ended up playing for them. That's how I got into Jacksonville. Oh. Yeah, he cool. played uh, right guard for them for seven years. And, uh, so was he like he was there for the Mark Brunell years then probably? No, he played from he got drafted. He's my age, so he got drafted in like oh six, oh seven, okay. I think. So, so he played in David Garrard. Garrard, yeah, David yeah, Garrard, he yeah. Played those years. So, he, and then know, right Garrard, he had some. I, I mean, from what I remember, he had some talent, and then I think injuries or something just happened, and he just fell off a cliff. Yeah, he got. Yeah, he was he was real solid, and then um, they drafted. Uh, uh, he's so terrible, I forgot his name. Tim <laughs> I, tr- I tried. No. <laughs> uh, God, was it? Oh, yeah, Blaine Gabbert. Oh yeah, they Blaine Gabbert. Him, and he was just awful. Blaine and, Gabbert, uh, like he has all the tools and he has all these weapons, and like. I don't like him because I, I, I remember reading into what he did and the team did that one. I think it was either last year or the year before the year before where he he and the team basically quit. They quit on their coach and yeah. didn't wow. even do anything. And then yeah. finally the coach gets fired and then he has some big game where he throws like four touchdowns or something. It looks like some great quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a fan, I, I would say I, I, I would be pissed. I would just yeah. be like, what the? See, yeah, I'm a Cowboys a, fan, so I got to deal with a different type of pain. Where uh, it's like, geez, you know, I got to deal with, I got to do, I, I know, I know. <laughs> but I mean, imagine if you're, if you went to the, you know, you've had this, these chances to get to the playoffs over and over again, and you keep collapsing in these like ridiculous ways, the referees keep screwing you and whatever. Right. So it, it's, it's a, it's, like I said, it's a different type of pain. It's not as painful. Yeah, I'm not even going so to say, I'm not culture, even going to say yeah. it's even remotely as close as it was painful. Yeah, we, as, we just want to be relevant. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do too. I want teams like that. I, I root for teams like Jacksonville and, and Cleveland, unless they're playing Dallas. And I'm kind of regretting story. that I brought up the Jaguars thing because now you guys are talking about sports and I'm about to play That's Angry what I was thinking. I, I'm thinking, oh, Josh is going to listen to sports, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I figured you might notice that being from Jacksonville and all. How 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 odd is it that you're from Jacksonville, I'm from Texas, and I'm a yeah, Jack. I know. He's yeah, you, from 
you're from Washington and you're a Dallas fan. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I was actually born in Hawaii. So yeah, yeah no, that's what's crazy. My dad's a Cowboys fan. I blame him. Wow. <laughs> They're from all over, man. All right, gang. Well, it was uh, it was great talking to you, Thomas. Thank you for taking yeah, the time to to let us get to know our moderator. And as you can hear, he's yeah. a fine, upstanding citizen. Um. So anyway, we will uh, we will talk at you later, Thomas. And uh, stay stay healthy and don't die in a oh. car wreck or become an unsolved mystery. <laughs> well, we don't no, want you to go missing. Well, of course not, man. Well, um, yeah, and um. To everybody in the group and everybody listening, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep throwing those street views up and and uh, guess that segments and all that. It's a, it's a hell of a lot of fun doing that for everybody. And um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And, uh, Anytime. And congratulations on 50 episodes. All right, man. Take it Thank easy. You. All right. So that was a great conversation with uh, Mr. Hatfield. It really was. Yeah. So he's it was a lot of fun. Yeah, he seems he seems like a good uh, he seems like a good guy. I don't care what people say about him behind his back when he's not around. He he seems like a good guy. Um, I mean, and they good said, guy and a good moderator. They've said some horrible horrible things about him, awful things that uh, just are awful. But I don't believe him. I don't believe any of those people. I think he's good. I'm just joking. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. He All hasn't right. had really that much. I mean, he hasn't had to. I mean, there there were a couple people, a couple bad eggs, bad apples. I mean, I'm talking like like Thomas has probably killed some people, from what I've heard. But you know, I'm not going to listen to any of those rumors because I, I think that he's probably a good guy, and the there's the charges are still pending. Are you serious? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being an idiot right now. Okay, so <laughs> let's move on to our emails. Mm. I had you guys send us emails to the Dancing with Ghost Two at Yahoo.com, and uh, a few of you did. So we're going to go and read some of these emails here. Our first email comes from uh, Diana Carliner, and uh, she said, questions I would love for y'all to answer. Now, bear in mind, a few of these questions have probably already been answered before, so we'll probably breeze through these quicker than normal. Her question is, um, I was originally going to ask what you to the creators of the show, okay, that's a bad sentence, uh, but then I realized how bad of an idea that would be. So what would you say to Robert Stack if you could meet him? Oh, man. That's tough. Um, first off, I would try not to look like a complete total fool. <laughs> you know, because I'd all be, like, nervous and all, and everything. i try to calm down and, and actually come across like a sane person. When I'm uh, communicating with Robert Stack, and what I would do is I would, I would, I would like to ask him, because I, I like asking this kind of stuff to anyone who's worked on, you know, film or television. I, I like to ask him about crazy stories on the set and things like that. I, I think that's like some fun stuff, and that's stuff that you don't hear a lot. You're not going to hear that kind of thing a lot in a memoir or a biography or in an interview. So that's the kind of thing I, I would like to ask him. And, and of course, I would thank him many, many times over for entertaining me and, you know, and being such a wonderful host for the show. And yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it would it would have really would have been really cool if I could have, you know, met him before he passed away. Well, first thing I would do is I'd show him my uh portrait that i have tattooed on my arm of yeah him, and then i would thoroughly creep him out at that point and 
just before <laughs> just before he has security remove me from the premises, I would ask him. Uh, I'd ask him, A, what is his take on all the paranormal stuff that he's covered? Like, what does he really feel about it? Does he does he think it's utter nonsense? And on my second follow-up question to that would be, what were the most convincing cases to you that you've covered on this show as far as the paranormal stuff goes that you actually kind of felt like there was some credibility there? And then I'd also ask him what he felt like, uh, what was his favorite segment to do and his least favorite segment to do those would be a questions i would ask him and then i would just ask him how his day was going and try to have a normal conversation with him and show him that i am a normal human being and then maybe i would uh you know get his contact information and we could start hanging out and you know <laughs> we could become friends <laughs> ride tandem bikes together yeah, exactly. ride a tandem bike together <laughs> exactly and he'd still be wearing the trench coat and the suit of course which would make it oh very my god difficult. that that is a that is a great image yeah just tandem bike robert stack right you know on on in front you're in the back and you're just smiling like yeah ah. while this creepy eerie music plays in the background <laughs> uh her next question was if you could travel to any of the locations in a case where would you go Hmm. Hmm. That's difficult. There's so many different... This question has been asked before, and I think my answer last time was, I would love to go to Area 51. Yeah, I mean, if I could actually go and not get shot on sight, yeah, sure. But I don't think that's really a plausible thing. (laughs) You can't really go to Area 51, Josh. (laughs) I'd like to go to Area 51, and I would like to go to the upstairs part of Graceland where Elvis was found, and they don't let the general public go into. That would be interesting. I would say, I think it would be fun to visit the Queen Mary. I think that would be cool. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Um, That's a good one, actually. And some of the other sort of things, uh, there's a, a couple other sort of haunted sort of places that might be fun to visit. All right, her next question is, um, is there any story that you would have liked to have seen covered that wasn't? Uh, I don't mean a modern-day story. Um, For me, I would say uh, the Tupac Shakur, uh, Biggie Smalls uh, feud. I think that would have been interesting. And also the John F. Kennedy assassination. I would have loved to have heard uh, Unsolved Mysteries take on that. Yeah, it would have been great to hear their take on uh, the... uh that case i think it would have been interesting to hear unsolved mysteries take on the this uh it's i'm trying to remember it was i think it's something that's like known as like satan's bible or something it's like these manuscripts or something where somehow it's rumored that this one monk like was able to copy the bible in this manuscript or whatever through crazy means um there's also something called the voyage manuscript so there's some interesting, really kind of interesting, uh, bizarre uh, things like that that would have been interesting to see them tackle, as well as maybe some other religious artifacts. Um, did they do one on the Holy Grail? Yes. Or uh, the, uh, the the Spear of Destiny, things like that? They did one on the Holy Grail, also known as the Nantius Cup, uh, but, but yeah. not, not the other thing you mentioned. The Spirit of Destiny would be interesting as well. All right, up next. You know, stuff like that. We, up next, we have an email from Lacrimal Blur. Uh, I don't know how to say that. Uh, the question is, uh, what is your favorite... Oh, it's favorite with a U, so they're from either Canada, England, or Australia. It goes, what is your favorite Unsolved Mystery segment? Uh, which mystery do you wish you could solve? Uh, I think I speak for me and Mike when I say the Al- Allagash abductions. 
Algash. Yeah, favorite segment there. Um, hashtag Algash. <laughs> hashtag Algash. Uh, which mystery do I wish they could solve? I mean, as far as murders, I wish they could solve every last one of them. Yeah. Honestly. Or every last missing persons, you know, stuff like that. Um, I wish, okay, this is a, this is one that comes to mind. Uh, when they were covering the skump, skunk ape, ape segment, skunk ape segment, uh, fl- Skump? Florida's Stump? Florida's answer to uh, Bigfoot. Um, they had the they the skunk ape hair. They found a sample of it on a tree branch, and they had it sent away for test results. And they said it was of a non synthetic nature, and it was of of animal nature. And they said they have to wait for the test results to come in for more definitive answers. And then they never gave us an update on that. And then also with uh, the crop circle one where their footage was being analyzed and they had to wait for the results to come in, which, again, we got no update on. Um, Or I think maybe there was an update and it said something to the extent of there were a few legitimate crop circles in the video, but then there are also many hoaxes on the video as well. I want to see those legitimate crop circles, damn it. I want to see them being made. I want to see what the deal is with that. There are there are some uh, documentaries I've seen that show that, um, so you can look for that on YouTube or elsewhere. Also, I would like to see in better quality that you can actually watch. It doesn't look like it was shot on a fucking potato of some of the uh, unaired segments, some of the segments that have only aired once, like uh, the Gulf Breeze UFO segment. Which they were, I guess, it was revealed as a hoax, so they didn't want to air it again. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, from what I've seen, it looks like a very fascinating segment because they actually show how they could have made this UFO hoax, which I thought was really cool because it was kind of like a look into sort of special effects stuff, which I I absolutely adore. So, um, yeah, that'd be nice. Or seeing all the missing segments that some reason aren't on Amazon. And then the email goes on to say, how did you two casual Unsolved Mysteries fans meet in the first place? Which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and, that oh, is great. And this is from Andrew Dodge, by the way. My bad. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a good in-joke right there, the casual fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just two casual fans, Unsolved Mysteries. We know of the show. We know what it is. I, I kind of know what it we is. Think, we think some old guy... So, Posted it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I've seen. I've seen. Um, Dennis I've seen, Stack was Dennis, that his name? Dennis Stack. I like. I like the. Uh, I think I started watching the show because I like the Google Earth uh, transitions on the Unsolved Mysteries. Where I, they, I, I don't. I don't think that's the right show. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what show you're talking about. But no, we met. Uh, <laughs> me and Mike met. I did the. I did the infamous YouTube video comparing the. Uh, old unsolved mysteries to the uh the revamp and Mike's, i watched it Mike i loved it. it he he liked it he sent me an email saying that he wanted to do a show about a podcast about talking about unsolved mysteries episodes uh histor- like historically i thought it was a dumb idea i didn't tell mike that but i thought that's a dumb idea no one's gonna watch that about this show that's not even on anymore and um Imagine if that's if you you know that that would have just been it. This would have never happened if if that if that was how Josh. I got to be honest. If that's what I got from Josh, 
I would have tried to do it myself, and it probably would not have done it. Would not have been as as big of a success um, because yeah. I really think Josh is a really important part to this show's success so far, and I am well, really you, glad Mike. and appreciative that he's here and he's a part of the show. Yeah, so we had a phone, we had a Skype conversation just to kind of see feel out each other's chemistry, which I think is something that a lot of people don't really do. You know, like they like because that's some that's so. It was my idea. I thought it was a good thing to do. I thought because we had never really met before. I had no idea what Josh sounded like. You know, I knew what he sounded like, but I'm, I didn't really know what the two of us were going to sound like together. And I think it helped considerably because it made it so everything wasn't as awkward the first time around. Yeah. And then we kept getting better and better as we kept doing more episodes, which is how it is. You know, practice makes perfect. That's not a... That, there's a reason why you hear that a lot, because it's true. The more you do something, the better you get at it. And when it comes to things like this, if you feel like you and your co-hosts don't have a lot of chemistry at first, like, just try, keep trying. And then if you get to the point where it's like, 10 episodes in or something and it's not working then yeah maybe you know but i i felt like even from the first episode we had something going and even with the shitty tin can audio that we had and there were some definite speed bumps i mean there's one segment i really want to cover again because i know we both of us did not do it justice we're gonna say it for the hundredth <laughs> I don't. <know>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will do that fairly soon. I know why we're not going to do it, 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 you know, anytime soon because it's it's a really lengthy segment. It's like two parts. So, yeah. so let's move on. Sam. Let's move on here to our next email from Jessica Yawn, which is one of our our beloved Patreon snowflakes, and uh, she goes, "Hey, so as your Patreon supporter and avid listener, I just want to congratulate you guys on hosting such an interesting, funny, and amazing podcast." I love mysteries and true crime, and I have to say I learned a lot from listening to you guys talk. I even learned some random movie facts. Anyway, I'm not American, nor have I ever lived in the U.S., so I never had the privilege of watching or even knowing about Robert Stack or Unsolved Mysteries until you guys showed up. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. Hopefully this show will one, be, one day be available internationally and preferably free of charge. Oh. That, that was, was really nice. That was sweet. See, we don't always get hate. We usually get positivity from people, but it, like I said, the hate, the hateful shit is more entertaining, <laughs> and and it's funnier. See, that was just sweet. Like that, that was very sweet. Um, thank you, Jessica. And yeah, thank you. If you're living in the Philippines, I don't, I don't know how, or I think it's Taiwan is where she lives. Either way, uh, I don't. I don't know how the Netflix or Amazon or anything works out there. Uh, hopefully one day you can get the show. But, man, I am just impressed by you uh, staying on for so long. Yeah. And and donating to us on Patreon, not even having watched Unsolved Mysteries. So I'm just very impressed by you, Jessica. Maybe we're doing such a great job. I don't uh, not so fast there, Mike. I, I wouldn't say that. I think uh, I think I just have a very sexy voice. Let's just let's let's just put it on the table. I, I was just saying. I think we're. I do think we're doing a pretty good job capturing and trying to do the best we can to, you know, get people to see what we're talking about. You know, in their head. You know, kind of. You know, use their imagination to kind of uh, 
bring to life the words. Well, I think as a podcast that, I, that that I always try to, you know, if I'm talking about a segment, I try to visually mention, oh, in the segment they do this, in the segment they do that. So you don't have to have even seen the show yeah. to enjoy it. So that's cool. All right, let's move on to our next email. It's from Brian Bradley, a.k.a. Lego Face, from the Facebook group. Uh, <laughs> he goes, he says, at the risk of sounding like a high school guidance counselor, not including this podcast, what is your next five-year plan? Love the show. Never lose the chit-chat. You definitely sound like a high school guidance counselor there. Uh, I'm going to get my uh, bachelor's in uh, English and like another humanities credit, maybe DTC. And then maybe from there, because I want to work on <laughs> my writing. I think I'm a pretty good writer. Uh, most of the, my English teachers have said that. They like reading what I write. They kind of rib me for my grammar, and I think I can get better at that. And uh, in the future, I want to write about film. I want to write about film history. I want to write reviews. I got a book idea that I think would be pretty good and surprisingly there isn't a book like this there's a few other books that kind of kind of delve into it but they're not as comprehensive as this and I can see why because I'm ta if I I have almost a thousand movies to write about <laughs> with this particular uh, uh, series of uh, books because I would probably split them into two I want to do this series called Gory Days which is all about horror films in the 1980s. So I want to make it kind of a comprehensive guidebook for casual fans of horror and for diehard fans of horror. Have some bits of trivia, have my own reviews in there as well, and plot synopsis and cast and crew and stuff, and pictures if I can and whatever. I'm going to start out with rough drafts at first, and I'll keep you listeners... You know, I will definitely let you know if I got any rough drafts available on Amazon or something you can check out. Um, so I'd like to write about film. I'd like to do that. I, I, I want to go maybe and study film at PSU after I'm done with uh, getting my, uh, you know, honing my writing skills. And uh, I, I just thought, you know, yeah, if I'm going to get in debt with, you know, lo with student loans and grants, I might as well use it uh, taking classes and honing skills that I want, doing things that I want to do. So that's pretty much I have planned for the five year. I hope I can get a job and keep it and move out of my parents' house. That would be nice. My but, plan know. is um, my five year we'll plan happens. is to grow in the wedding DJ company that I'm in, get more weddings, um, continue to maintain my karaoke gigs I have per week because honestly, it's a dream job. Um, it's it's fun. You feel like you're at a party every time. I mean, yeah, there's some parts of it that are that are very job. Country music. Yeah, country music. Setting setting up my all my shit just takes. I, I'm just getting so sick of that. Getting like, those requests from all the people asking for Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, like there's certain, but but you know, it's it, all that is so tolerable. You know, like it's, yeah. I can tolerate all that all day long. What I can't tolerate is a damn nine to five desk job where you are just watching the clock and you are just so bored. I've had uh, jobs like that, and I never want to go back. So my plan is to 
keep growing with this wet the being a wedding DJ and maybe strike off on my own and have my own entertainment company one day. Artistically, uh, I'm just about to release my first full length album as Dancing with Ghosts that I hope everybody out there who's listening goes out and purchases. It's only seven bucks. Um, and to grow the YouTube channel and the podcast. Um, the, these are my three babies. My, the podcast, the, my music, and my YouTube channel are my three babies that I want to nurture into healthy, full-grown, creative I mean, adults. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the podcast has a, has a lot of potential, and I definitely want to grow that as much as I can. I'd like to grow my YouTube channel, but I don't know. I mean, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I honestly, there's been more. I've got more subs than I've ever had before, and it's from people that genuinely like what I do. So, I mean, that that means a lot to me. It's just one of those things. There's a lot of competition for what I'm doing, and I don't really fall into the norm when it comes to YouTube movie reviewers. I don't usually have these thumbnails where I'm making some silly face or whatever and be looking like I cummed my pants when I'm reacting to something. No, I'm not a nostalgia critic. I, I don't really use a lot of footage or, or any of that. I'm not fancy. Mainly because of the stupid copyright system. That's all never story. Which cripples creativity. But, uh, and, but a, it makes it so other channels who are already big can keep doing it. But it's just, it's just it's one of those things I do for fun. And if it turns into something else, sure. But I do it for fun. All right, let's move on to our next email. This is from Patrick Reeves. Patrick Reeves! He says, uh, I listen to a podcast every Wednesday morning to the co- uh, in the commute to work. It's my therapy from a crappy job. Nine times out of ten, I remember the segments and love the commentary from both of you. My favorite segment was hearing Mike talk about Burgerville and Road Rage. He says, I used to, li- he- I used to live in Oregon and went to Burgerville all the time. And Josh's description of Floridian Hicks in their big old fucking tricks. I hope this. <laughs> I hope the celebration is big when you guys get to 100. Thank you, Patrick. You are the man. You're a very generous Patreon donor. You're awesome. We love you. Thank you, Patrick. We're glad we make you Thanks. happy. Uh, this next email is from Oh Morgan, little Morgan from Canada, little Saskatoon Doctor Seuss Canada over there. Saskatoon does not sound like a real city to me, apparently. Dr. Seuss? Yeah, Saskatoon. <laughs> it sounds like it'd be have like a Dr. Seuss uh, novel, like the Saskatoons or something. Anyway, Morgan, who uh, by far I mention more than anybody else in the podcast. I don't know. Every time I think of Canada, I think of Morgan. I can't help it. I, I, I don't, I'm not secretly in love with her or anything like that. I just, when I think of Canada, I think of Morgan. So anyway, she writes in saying... Uh, Oh my God! I just realized her email address is Epic Morgan at Hotmail.com. That is awesome. <laughs> that is wow. epic. Morgan is adorable. So she goes. I'm not sure what I'd like to add other than I really, really get a kick out of listening to you guys. I honestly look forward to it every week, and I love how excited you guys get. You've two feet off each other so well. I hope. Uh, so I, I so hope the podcast never becomes a chore or a hassle for either of you. I seriously love the podcast from the first listen. Anything that makes me laugh out loud is fantastic. Last summer slash fall, I spent many nights up feeding the baby and always had my earbuds and phone with me. It definitely made the long, restless nights a little funner. Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a UFO or a ghost, but I did go on a date with a guy that years later would be arrested for murder. 
That was pretty bizarre. You guys' name, uh, the guy's name was Nathan Oxby. Uh, you can still Google and find the details. And thank you so much um, for the show. Um, if I was at all techie, oh, she was saying, if I was at all techie, I would send you season five. But, you know, now we already have season five. Uh, hugs and kisses, uh, Morgan. Thank you, Morgan. You the best. Never thank you changed. so much. All right, so the last thing we have here, and then I gotta like literally run out of my house like a madman screaming because <laughs> I'm so I'm already kind of cutting into the lateness here. Last story is from Sarah um, T J L G. Uh, so this this story is kind of lame, and I don't mind if you decide not to use it on the 50 episode. Well, you know what? I didn't think it was lame, Sarah. So we're get, we are gonna use it. She says, when I was about four years old, I woke up one morning in my mom's bed. I could hear my mom and grandparents talking in the kitchen. I took this white sheet that was on the bed and I put it over my head and was just laying there looking around with the sheet on me. All of a sudden, I see this hand over my face. It wasn't hurting me, but it was making contact with my head. I just laid there and didn't say or do anything. And then it was gone. I ran down the hall and asked them who did it. Even that young, I thought it was weird that they were all there in mid-conversation and seemed bewildered about what I was saying. My grandmother told me it was probably the dog. It was definitely a human hand. I always had the feeling that it was a male hand, but there's no way for me to really know that. I always had an uneasy feeling in this house and had reoccurring nightmares for years about the place. Nothing as drastic as the hand thing ever happened again, but there were a few weird things. In my mid and late-ish teens, I always stayed with my grandfather. My grandmother had passed away by then. Uh, aside from this very heavy feeling of dread, the TV would constantly turn off by itself. And when I was sleeping, I swear I could at times hear what sounded like a group of people talking in the next room. Both of those can be explained by electrical issues or being in a dream state, though. One night, I was sitting in the kitchen when my grandfather slept on the couch. I all of a sudden heard a female voice humming in the kitchen with me. I remember turning off the TV to make sure it wasn't coming from that. The humming happened one more time after I turned the TV off. That one is a little harder to explain away, but I suppose someone could have been outside the kitchen window trying to scare me. Anyways, that's my lame, scary story. I really love the podcast, and I'm a big fan of the news of the weird segment. I think she means news of the bazaar, but... Anyway, thank you, Sarah. That that was actually I, when I read that I was that was not out. a lame story at all. Like that was very unnerving and creepy, and might be one of the best stories that we've talked about today. Yeah, that's that's just thinking of the hand on the face, but it's not hurting mm. you. It's just ba- it's just barely mm. touching you, like the humming. Yeah, you're hearing somebody humming, and then you turn off the TV, and you still hear it. Ooh. Yeah, that there was, was definitely something going on there. That was very creepy. Um, all right, guys, that's got to be it for me. Unfortunately, I'm very sorry. I would love to to stay and chat longer, but uh, that that is literally all the time I have. Um, feel free to uh, still send emails to that Dancing with Ghosts email if you have anything else you want to add that didn't make the fiftieth. Uh, we'll get to. Uh, I think it was Eileen. We'll get to her story next week because it was a little lengthy there, and we will. And also- next week we got something. Different. We're doing something different uh, for the podcast for the case that we'll, we will be discussing. It's going to be one case, and it's going to be also kind of a review of a documentary. 
So hey, stay hey. tuned for that. Yeah, and I'll also get back to the Patreon uh, story because uh, we have another we have another real story that happened to one of your fellow listeners. It's yep. totally, totally true. Might not be true. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it's possible. So anyway, uh, speaking of Patreon, you can contribute to our podcast and uh, our Mike's poverty levels can raise a little bit. Uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, I have a CD that is so is so on the brink of coming out, it's not even funny. Um, I want you guys, every single one of you guys, to get a copy of this because it's my life's work, honestly, in music form. It's called Koyana Scott's He's the name of the album. I'll be dropping a commercial for the album in at the end of the podcast here. It's not really a commercial. It's just kind of me, you know, talking about the album and uh, playing some clips from the uh, upcoming album. So that would be great if you could get that. I will give you all the details on how you could get that album when it comes out. Um, for me and Mike, uh, man, the thank you for one year, Mike, of uh, of a good Yeah, show. well, thank you. Thank good you, shit. Josh, for joining me. And hopefully, you know, this is just the beginning. And, and I really do feel it is. Uh, you know, I think this show can last a long time. As do I. All right, folks, have a good rest of your day or night, and we will talk to you next week. See ya! The debut album by Dancing with Ghosts will be out soon. It is titled Koi Anaskazi and will be available for purchase in the next few weeks. Hey guys, it's me, Josh Cannon. I know I don't talk about my band or music very often on the podcast, but this is a huge part of my life and one of my longest passions that I've had. This album, Koyana Scotsy, which comes from a film by the same name and is a Native American term meaning life out of balance, is for anyone who's a fan of alternative rock, electronic music, industrial music, pop music, <laughs> even a little bit of gospels in there. Uh, this album is for you. Uh, I play all the instruments and even sing, so it would be an honor for you to support me and check this album out. I'll shut up now and let you listen to the music. So you can laugh at Josh's many misfortunes. All right. Okay, now it's recording. <laughs> See, that's the thing with this stupid yeah, thing. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do a clap right now. All right. All right. Say, okay, so obviously episode number 50. Shit, there's so much stuff. I know. Uh, it's like where to begin even. Um. All right. We'll just take this one step at a time, I guess. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he says, Three men approached me and pointed their guns at me. They knew me. They told me, Roger, come with us in the car. We will bring you to Manila. I could not escape. I couldn't escape. I knew they were soldiers. They had guns. The poli- the they 
God damn it. They called the palace and they were speaking English. I yes, it would take two on that one. Twenty five. Yeah, 24. you were doing really good. It's just, it's just I suck. You can say <laughs> it. You can say it. No, you don't suck. I, I've I've heard worse from me. <laughs> no, from other people who've tried to make videos and you know they read stuff off their script and they have no inflection. They're just like three men. They're just like three men approached and pointed their guns at me. They knew me. They told me, "Roger, come in with us in the car, and we will bring you to Manila." I could not escape. I couldn't escape. <laughs> I knew they were soldiers. They had guns. <laughs> I like that, Mike. That's that's kind of sexy. The boredom in your voice. All right, so let me get back to this here. Um. I mean, I guess for I guess for some people. Like that's, oh son of a bitch! I had it. I had it saved on the on the our group page where those stories were, and I, my stupid ass got out of it. All right, hey, hey, I got it. <laughs> okay. You might want to mark this down for an edit. <laughs> Forty-one oh four. You definitely don't, we don't want that in there. We don't want the awkward moment of silence again, like the last. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one. that. That particular episode was like five edits, so five or six edits. So it was kind of. And and you forgot one. <laughs> I'm only human. <laughs> God, I hate that song, but I love singing it because it's annoying, and I love annoying. That is things. an annoying song. I know. I love annoying. That's as annoying as the cheap trick song. I want you to want me. And I need you to need me. I want you to want me. See you crying. Crying. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Song sucks. <laughs> uh, My dad hates that song. Okay, so you you got it. The post or whatever. What good? That's what noise it makes when I get sent something. What good? Does that work? Permalink. Ooh, yes it does. Spank you. Spank you very much. Spank your ass. You're spanklum. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on here. And let's do a edit right here. One seventeen forty three. Oh, this is going to be a fun one to edit. <laughs> Get on with Thomas and then end with the emails. Yep, yep, yep. We're making, good, we're making pretty good time so far. Okay. It might be a normal length podcast. I, I know, unfortunately. I wanted it to be longer, but I, I have to... Maybe with your song, it might be a little bit longer. Nah. Maybe the stuff you throw in there, maybe previews to your album. and. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to change the inputs. It still was pretty jam-packed, though. Hello? Yes, I can. All right, ho- all right, hold. On. I can. No, you don't need to see me. I'm not. I'm. I'm naked. I'm. I'm literally in my boxers right now. Uh, all right. So, so you can just do the phone thing if you want to. Now let me try to merge you with um, uh, Mike. Actually, is there any way you can put headphones on? Because I'm hearing an echo of myself. Okay. 
All right, Mike. Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay, so hold on. Let me uh, let me do something real quick. All righty. Time, and I didn't know how to shut that off. And so I thought there was something wrong with my mic. And it was just really hard to talk. It, it's <laughs> like that special challenge or something people have where it's like, oh, put something that like right. plays your voice back and then <laughs> it just it just discombobulates you and you yeah you really... yeah the second i hear my voice i just want to stop talking <laughs> <laughs> so um shit all right uh okay so my my levels are there and then okay so mike's coming through the oh this is so confusing all right so you're coming from so all right I'm being inputted into that, so I need to come up then like this. And talk, Mike. Talk, talk, talk. Okay. All right. So now we're our levels look equal, so I can turn that down. All right. All they do is talk, talk. We're doing it old school. This is the old way we used to record, because <laughs> we didn't know how to do it with a third person. We usually just do it with each other solo. Yeah, not a lot of people do. Some people just uh, prefer to do it with one person, and that's okay. It's usually how I I've do done, it. I've done three. I've done like stuff with three people before, but that was a long time ago. That's um, that's really inappropriate, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, offensive. All that's, right, that's that's not what I was talking about. But yeah, all right, cool. So I think I think we're all going good here now um all right let me do this time code thing One twenty-one thirty-six. it's when we actually One twenty-one thirty-six. thomas please for the love of god tell me you can't see me right now i can't see either one of you i see your icons and that's it okay good because i am i am naked right now it gets um, it gets really hot in here when I record, so yeah. Oh, okay. And thanks for that image, uh, TMI, Josh. I, TMI. I, th- I thought you already knew that, Mike. I'm pretty sure I told you that a long time ago. I I, I see what you mean, though. I, I understand <laughs> why you're like like that where you're at, because I remember being in Oklahoma City in the summer it was so fucking humid that even if I was butt naked and in my birthday suit, I was still sweating my ass off. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to jump. And again, that's a, that's a house that should have been condemned and didn't have any AC. So it was so twice as. What we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to just jump in and I'm going to say, all right, welcome to the, this is called Know Your Moderator. And what we talked about earlier in the podcast about how we're going to have a blah, 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 blah. And then uh, I'm just going to ask you questions, Thomas. I haven't thought about anything uh, beforehand. Um, okay. That's fine. Because you know that's that's actually that would involve effort and research, and we don't do that here. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. You know. According to your listeners, anyway. Yeah. All right. So uh, here we go. Uh, 